0: hello and welcome to cinema joes where three average joes discuss the significant topics of movie culture i am Podbreak podcast editor alex marcus and i am joined as always by my co-hosts justin mancini how are you doing today justin
1: I'm doing pretty well. I'm really looking forward to this episode, as as I always do. Yes. So.
0: Uh, we are also joined by Justin's podcasting partner for the Podwork Angels a Rush Hour podcast. Uh, that is Noah France. Welcome back, Noah. Hello. I am ready for autumn and for rain. Yes, I'm sure there will be no shortage of rain uh, in the coming months, but hopefully we will also have no shortage of good movies, because this is our special 2022 Fall Preview Movie episode, where we run down the list of all of the exciting new things that are coming to your screens at home and on the big screen uh, in the coming months. Now, a little peek behind the curtain, we usually record this episode uh first week of September, and and uh, ends up running a week or two later. This time around, we're recording it right in the middle of August, and it'll be released uh, about a month after that. And what that means is that uh some of the information that we have may change in terms of release dates. Some of the release dates, uh by the time you're listening to this, will be set that are not set as we record this. Uh, but uh, despite that, we have a list of Nearly 90 films uh, that are going to be coming out in the fall. So I think we have a lot to talk about. Uh, So pardon any minor differences uh, that may be hitting the release schedule uh, between then and now. The fall movie season last year really panned out. I listened to that episode before we before I got started here, and we did a really good job of identifying pretty much all the major themes that were coming and. All of the different uh, major releases that would be playing major roles in the culture and in Oscar season and all of that. So I'm really proud of ourselves. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, there is a chance that some of the best films of the year uh, are going to be in this episode to be discussed. And so I'm excited to get into it, starting with September, uh, where I'm going to go to you first, Justin, uh, what is coming out in the month of September that you are looking forward to? Because there is a lot of stuff on the docket. A lot, it's like a big mix of like indie movies and horror movies and a couple of uh, big budget studio releases. So uh, what is grabbing your attention?
1: You know, uh, I didn't know this until a few days ago that this film was coming out, but I read the premise of it, I saw the trailer for it, and it just looks like a really wild time. Um, It's a movie called Saloon, which is from writer-director Jean-Luc Herbelot. It has an interesting premise. This is uh, amongst the coup d'etat that happened in Guinea-Bissau in Western Africa. Uh, This trio of mercenaries are trying to extract a drug dealer, uh, both and then also his gold and his actual drug product, um, and then try to hide out in uh, Dakar in Senegal. And then they find themselves sort of, in a really strange place with some supernatural uh, entity that's pursuing them. It sounds like a lot of different genres coming together. And I got to say, like, I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, I'm thinking of like samurai Westerns. I'm thinking like spaghetti Westerns. I'm thinking a little bit like I'm thinking of like horror thrillers. Like it's just bringing together so many things. And I have to say, like watching it, I was like, you know, this is the kind of movie that like in the early 2000s, Quentin Tarantino would have like put his name above like Quentin Tarantino presents um, the way he did for so many like other foreign films that um, that he thought needed like more attention um, in the in um, in North America. And I was like, this seems like in that vein. And I just love the the look of it. I think it has a really interesting um like just like the the looks of the characters i think are interesting each of them is so very distinct from one another and it looks like the kind of movie where it's not necessarily just dealing with heroes it looks like some very flawed but and, and self-interested kinds of uh kinds of characters that are our protagonists and it just seems like a really ripe atmosphere for some interesting social commentary and political commentary and it's Wrapped up in all this uh, sort of interesting genre trappings, and I just think it it looks really cool. Um, it's gotten pretty good reviews so far, from what I could see, but wasn't on my radar until a few days ago. And uh, just think it looks really neat. And you know, I I just I hope we get more stuff like it because I'm not not used to seeing it at all. <laughs> so
0: yeah, and that'll be a Shutter release. So anyone right. who subscribes to the streaming uh, service Shutter or uh, streaming service AMC Plus, which includes Shudder, uh, will be able to check that out in September 8th. How about you, Noah? What, uh, what's a movie that kind of jumped to your mind from this list of uh, exciting, diverse array of, of options?
2: Well, really, in general, um, and dovetailing with what Justin wanted to highlight, it this month just seems to be packed with movies that are either telling mostly true versions of very obscure bits of... Historical trivia, or they're specifically basing themselves in specific historical events, like you mentioned Saloon. Um, there's Catherine Called Birdie, which, double-checking the premise, I think is a fictional premise, but it's very specifically set in 13th century England, which is not typical. Like most movie makers, don't go, I want to set my movie in 13th century England.
0: Well, it is an adaptation of a very famous uh, young adult novel that I think. Okay, a lot of but but still it's a fiction. So it's like a fictional take.
2: But then the other hand, there's...
0: Wait, where is it? Um... And, that's, and that movie, I should say, Catherine, called Bernie, that is uh, written and directed by Lena Dunham, the second Lena Dunham movie uh, of this year, after Sharpstick, uh, which kind of uh, came and went over the summer. Uh, and this one is stars, you know, the Bella Ramsey, who many people might remember as Liana Mormont on Game of Thrones, the mm-hmm. little girl who, uh, who has very big personality on that show.
2: I mean, okay, right there, you've guaranteed yourself a decent audience. <laughs> I think she was one of the unassailably best parts of the last couple Game of Thrones seasons.
0: Yeah, also features yeah. Andrew Scott, who I think uh, many people know as Hot Priest from Fleabag, and who is just always <laughs> excellent. Uh,
2: the one the one that really caught my interest was Medieval by Peter that looked like it, it looks like that's going to be a Czech production about a very specific figure from Czech history. And it, like, and, it, and as a historian, I'm like, uh, yeah, give me, please give me obscure cultural icons that most people don't know about and make a movie about them. Uh, The Woman King, uh, is another one about, uh, a female, about female warriors in an African kingdom. Like, a, a real, like, this month just seems packed with an incredibly colorful array of movies that are, are just drawing from all sorts of times and eras and places. Uh, a lot of them, of course, focusing on women or specific female characters, uh, which, of course, is, you know, is still relatively very underrepresented uh, in this type of movie. So, like, all of those sound like they could be really, really cool. Medieval and The Woman King especially, like, those sound like they could be right up my alley. So those are the ones where, A, I'm pretty certain they will be released in an accessible way where I could see them. And B, those are the ones that I think are most likely to actually take the time to go and see unless yeah. the word comes out that they're like terrible <laughs> I shouldn't bother but and, I hope that's not the case.
1: Right. And and The Woman King is directed written and direct. uh sorry. Uh yes, written and directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood who of course did The Old Guard which we talked about on the show. So we know that yeah. she's really good at facilitating action and it looks like in this film not only is there a lot of action but also perhaps on a much broader scale. So I'm really interested to see what that looks like um you know and that and, one also just,
0: features two actors that we really like Viola Davis oh yeah. and Lashana Lynch so very excited yep. to see them in a period piece Gina Prince-Bythewood never really has gotten the opportunity to do this sort of like historical epic like this so right. really really excited as a as yeah. a big fan of her work
1: and of course Thuso Mbedu who uh, Alex you and I of course know from The Underground Railroad where she was so yes. great I'm really looking forward to seeing her again um so yeah just I I this is one of the ones where it's like I want it to be good so badly. <laughs> I know
0: <laughs> you're almost afraid and, to hope too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I'm going to jinx it. <laughs> Cause well, that September release date for a movie like the woman King makes me a little bit nervous because this is certainly the type of movie that could be released in November, or December and hoping to get a lot of Oscar attention and stuff. And so the fact that it's getting a, a mid September release makes me worried that maybe it's not quite the strong contender that we're hoping it could be, but you know, things can sometimes pop in September unexpectedly, and uh, and I really hope that that's the case cause, I mean, you
2: know, it also could be like the really cynical interpretation is someone uh, hired the studio going, "Oh, a movie about black women, no one's going to pay to see that," and it's like is in no way a reflection on people thinking the movie's bad.
0: Like, yeah, it's I mean, that certain market forces are not always motivated by the most pure of intentions, so that is yeah, certainly a factor. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm not ju- that like the release date alone is not enough to like make me worried.
0: Now, speaking of odd release dates, uh, there's a movie called confess Fletch, which is a Greg Matola directed effort. Uh, it is uh, Greg Matola who everybody might know from kind of from movies like super bad, uh, this is a Fletch uh, reimagining, like the, fra- the comedy franchise from the 70s, and it stars John Hamm as Fletch, uh, along with a number of other uh, actors that we all like, like Marcia Gay Harden and uh, Kyle MacLachlan. And I- I've heard literally nothing about this. This movie comes out in exactly one month. It has no trailer, it has nothing uh, to report in terms of promotion, and it seems like it would be a big studio push. So. Uh, What do you guys make of this oddity on the calendar right now?
1: Um, Yeah, I I did see there are a couple of like, I've seen John Hamm has been making the rounds on like morning shows and entertainment shows talking a little bit about it, but not like a lot. And that does worry me a little bit. Um, Also, just quick correction, I believe the Fletch movies are in the 80s.
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's probably correct. And starred and when uh, I,
1: Chevy Chase. Chevy
0: Chase. I always <laughs> yeah. just think
1: 70s. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where he got. To, that's when he got a start. So yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I I have to say about this, I didn't. It just like blew my mind when I found out they were doing another Fletch movie. Um. And I almost wish we had my brother on because he actually read a whole bunch of the Fletch novels upon which the the films have come, but.
3: No uh, so he'd novels. have a
1: much, you know, he'd be able to like actually tell me what this character is about. Um, this apparently was a very popular character, sort of like is a uh, like his the novels that I you're that in are more comedy based, but also have a mystery element to them. So, yeah, I don't quite know what to make of this. I I'd like, you know, I like John Hamm. I, I hope it's good. But um, yeah, it is a little worrisome that we haven't heard a lot about it.
0: This is a project that was in development for like a decade, I feel like. There was, it was gonna be, uh, starring Joel McHale for a very long time, and then he dropped off, and John Hamm picked it up, and it's just like, I don't know, yeah, I just would have expected it to come with a lot more fanfare than it is. But, uh, I would not list that as a highlight of the, of the fall. I just, is a little bit of a curiosity on the calendar. Like, like another one, for instance, Neil LaBute trying to, uh, to reinvent Bram Stoker's classic tale *House of Darkness*, um, starring Justin Long and Kate Bosworth, is uh is Neil Butte the guy that you want for a spooky sort of uh, gothic horror film, Justin?
1: You know, if it's the Neil Butte of *In the Company of Men*, then yes. Um, but <laughs> I don't think he's made anything quite on that. Maybe, maybe shape of things. Like he's, he started out for those who don't know. He started out as a playwright. He's been involved in film and has kind of just been doing like, I feel like he's been coasting for decades now as a, Mm. he directed the very infamous Wicker Man remake. Um, you know, so. Oh, that one? Yes. That one. Not Not the classic 1973 one, but the. The Nicholas Cage. Justin, there
2: is only start. one Wicker Man movie. We all know this, to be true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I, 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 and I saw the trailer for this, and I don't know. Like, there's parts of it I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like the the sort of interpersonal dynamics, which is what I think his early work is is really interested in, uh, seems like it might be a part of this, and um, so that gives me a little bit of hope. And I don't know, like I I was doing I was looking into it and it seems like part of what it's reimagining is the Dracula story, but specifically the part of Dracula with the three wives. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just basing on on some of the names like uh, Kate Bosworth's uh, character is named Mina. Of course, Mina Harker from from Dracula. That's that seems to be what he's going for. Um, but it also, like, I don't think it's going to be a straight-up adaptation. I think that's it's more, like, inspired by, would be my guess. But, yeah, I don't quite know what to make of this, if I'm being perfectly honest.
0: <laughs> now, a movie that I thought might come up for uh, Noah, especially given his fondness of the genre, Drifting Home, comes to Netflix on September 16th, uh, directed by Hirasu Ishida. Um, and this is an anime, an uh, original anime that that um netflix is producing about a apartment complex uh that gets kind of swept away in uh in an ocean and uh uh dozen or so kids have to kind of fend for themselves while floating around in their in their giant apartment complex uh i've seen the trailer to this it seems pretty interesting noah does does this bite you at all grab your attention
2: I mean, I'm always up for, uh, for new anime stuff. I, I took note of this one, but I don't know the director that well. I've not seen, we, we actually showed his last movie, Penguin Highway at Nippon, but I didn't get the chance to see that movie. So I've never seen any of his past work. So he's not someone that I'm familiar with. Um, yeah, I, I think it's another one where I'll just kind of see what the word of mouth is. Um, once it starts to make the rounds.
0: Fair enough. Someone who we're all familiar with is uh, David Bowie, and a documentary about his life by director Brett Morgan is also coming out in on September 16th, this time in theaters and especially in IMAX screens, which is kind of interesting for a uh, documentary. Uh, it's called Moon Age Daydream. And Justin, is that something that you would be interested in seeing in the theater?
1: You know, and, and I've, I've, ser- I don't know if I've been on record on this podcast, but I, I have to admit Bowie is one of those artists that I, I don't have a ton of familiarity with. And he's from like, you know, the classic rock era, which I tend to know pretty well. So uh, I don't know, like just based on that, if I'm excited about it, but I will say Brett Morgan being behind it does excite me because I think he's made some really good. I'd almost characterize them as like documentary biopics, like they're, and they're still. They're still inventive. Um, he, of course, did the film Jane from a few years ago about Jane Goodall, where he almost took the story of Jane Goodall and made it feel like just by piecing together footage, just making it feel like it was happening in real time, um, uh, and really granting an immediacy to that story that was so engaging. Um, and of course, he did do, um, Kurt Cobain montage of Heck, which is a really interesting, uh, take on Cobain's life using animation, um, documentary footage and, and really like, carving out very distinct parts of that person of, of that artist's life um and so i think he's a really inventive filmmaker whether it comes to actually you know conceiving a footage but also the way he edits i think is really fascinating and i love that they got him for for this story of, of this artist who is larger than life because it's very appropriate given his track record
0: yeah how about you uh, how about you Noah? are you are you looking forward to this one
2: I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as Justin. Like, David Bowie is not <clears throat> front or, front and center in the list of like favorite or most important or influential musicians from that period. I like I've I've come to Bowie's music pretty late, and I can appreciate it, but I don't have like that deep emotional connection to it. So, like with any. Yeah, I suppose like with any artist where like I can recognize the, the figure being recognized, but if I'm, if I'm, they're not like one of my personal favorites, it's sort of like, if it's good, I'll see it. And if, if not, then I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it. But based on what, what Justin described, um, in terms of the other stuff that he's done, this does sound like the right director to handle this sort of documentary, especially on a musician. Uh, I think it takes a certain, I think it takes a different approach to make a compelling documentary about music.
0: Yeah, and if yeah. you guys have seen the trailer for this, it's definitely vi- visually uh, compelling, if nothing else. Uh, and it's I would very, say that's it's unsurprising to see it got Bowie. an IMAX release, given given the presentation that I see in the trailer.
2: And I think for David Bowie's music, like that's especially appropriate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, for me, I haven't really talked about what I'm looking forward to yet. And I would say there's a couple of big things on the calendar that I'm not as interested in, such as like the Hocus Pocus uh, sequel or uh, Peter Farley's uh, return to the cinema with the greatest beer run ever starring Zac Efron and uh, Russell Crowe and Bill Murray. Um, with a
1: very alarming mustache, I have to
0: say. <laughs> very much so. Uh but uh a mo- two smaller movies that I am really looking forward to are uh God's Country by uh director Julian Higgins uh starring Tandaway Newton as sort of like a person who uh is from the big city moves to the rural uh west and is somewhat terrorized by uh her not so friendly neighbors and she seems to have a very interesting pre- uh presence in this film and uh is willing to kind of stand up for herself and fight back in a way that I found very intriguing. Um, the trailer has like a quote saying it's a reverse Western, which I don't know what exactly that means, but it piques my interest. So good job trailer. Um, very much looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to a movie with a very different um, vibe uh, called do revenge, which is coming out for Netflix also on September 16th. Uh, that one is Jennifer Caitlin Robinson, who uh, was the, uh, director of uh something great which we watched a couple of years ago uh it was a nice little rom-com uh that netflix put out this one uh not quite a rom-com it's this it's kind of a uh, a little bit of a, a classic teen tale of two girls who uh hate each other's uh who who have people that they want to do revenge to and they do a sort of uh strangers on a train swap where they decide to uh to take each other's marks and uh launch into elaborate games to get revenge. Uh, the two people in question are um Camila Mendez as a a girl who kind of does everything right in her life and is uh, gets straight A's and is popular and has a cute uh loving perfect on paper boyfriend played by Austin Abrams, who many people might know from Euphoria, uh, who it seems uh, records her during a sexual act uh, without her consent and spreads it around and kind of ruins her life as a result. Uh, and she runs into Ma- the great, great Maya Hawk, who uh, I am a huge fan of. I think Noah also is a huge fan of. Justin hasn't gotten to really see her work yet and I hope maybe this will uh, change things for him because she's so great in Stranger Things. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited to see her get a,
2: get a plum I, I might, role I, here. I have to hope that she never does a movie with Sir
0: Ronan or I might just,
2: just implode uh, from joy. <laughs> so here she, she plays,
0: she plays a, a, a young woman who, uh who has some not nice things, some that nice rumors spread about her, uh, and her queerness, uh, in her high school. Um, and she wants revenge on, uh, on her bully as well. And so I think that, uh, the, t- the two of them kind of decide to team up and, and get each other's, uh, tormentor. And it seems really, really fun. Uh, it seems like it has a lot of, uh, a really strong sense of humor, a sense of, uh, place a sense of uh time it really feels like it's of the generation that it's that it's emanating from and i'm always a big fan of a teen movie like that so i'm really looking forward to that one are you guys i think it sounds like it could be good
2: I, that's another one i i'm just gonna i just i'm not gonna have these strong feelings until I, I get a better like sense of what the reaction is.
1: I, I think it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I watched the trailer and was just kind of delighting it the whole time. Um, you know, I, I'm curious about, like, how dark it's going to go. I mean, honestly, you know, things like what you described, like recording <laughs> recording something without someone's consent are reasons why I'm so glad I'm not in high school anymore. Um, <laughs> like, but I'm just curious, like, how, like, is this going to drill down and, like, really get into what, it you know, the really um genuinely dark aspects of of what it's like to be in high school right now um and and how are they planning to end it because strangers on a train is i love the fact that it's taking from that and that is something that is very committed (laughs) to going into the dark darkest places of the human soul I don't I'm not necessarily expecting that from this movie, but I do want it to maybe, you know, sort of aspire to something like that um, and really show what it's what this world is like. Also, I believe isn't Robinson a cred isn't she the co-writer of Love and Thunder?
0: Uh, yes, she is.
1: Yeah, because I saw her name like, wait, I've seen that name very recently. And then I realized,
0: yep. yeah. Yeah, I think that the what at least what the the trailer is promising is it's going to kind of like take the emotions of these Characters really seriously and kind of send them on a journey, but with a bit of a light touch. And I think that's a that's a quality balance. I think, especially coming off the heels of uh, Not Okay, uh, which is uh, feels like a similar sort of tone that this movie could be going for. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I find it interesting that none of us talked about Blonde in this, the Andrew Dominic movie, uh, which is starring uh, Anna de as Marilyn Monroe, uh, based on the Joyce Carol Oates uh, novel uh, of the same name. Uh, this is a Netflix film that is coming uh, with like a lot of uh, anticipation. It was on the calendar initially for last year and it got pushed. Uh, I think people were really looking forward to it. It's got a lot of Oscar implications, uh, but I'm not really looking forward to it because I'm not I can't say I'm a big Andrew Dominic fan, uh, but I'm curious, guys, it has someone who also didn't list it as their highly anticipated what you're thinking about it?
2: I mean, for me, it's kind of like with um, David Bowie. Marilyn Monroe is just not, for me personally, a figure I've ever had that much interest in. I get why she's an icon and why there are still people who are obsessed about her. It's just never been my thing. So any project about Marilyn Monroe, I'm like, I'm sure it'll be nice, but I
0: don't need to. I don't need to rush out the door to see it. Well, it's on Netflix, so you don't need to go anywhere to watch it. <sighs> but I have to. I have to
2: move to the couch.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
2: Just, just make sure you take order. off
1: your uh, the parental controls because it is NC-17. So I gotta say, um, unfortunately, Dominic is is a big blind spot for me. I've seen zero of his films. I I know a lot of people love um, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Um, and uh, actually, I think Chopper was actually a big hit when it came out. You know, modestly, um, it was kind of what got launched Eric Bana's career. Um, so like, yeah, he's just one. Unfortunately, he's one of those blind spots for me. I can't say having seen the trailer that it looks particularly interesting to me. I, I, I'm I not sure what it's going to offer that I don't already know about Marilyn Monroe, which admittedly is not is not a lot. I know a little bit about like her sort of final years. Um, but yeah, I, I just... I'm not sure what to like. I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, I hope this movie isn't as pretentious as it seems
0: (laughs) because if it's anything like killing them softly. It definitely is going to be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't. I know that's that is very exactly what I heard about that movie and also was the reason I wasn't super excited about what he was going to do next. But to be fair, I haven't seen anything he's done. And I think that might play into why it's not one of my most anticipated of this month or the fall movie season.
0: And I wanted to also briefly mention two honorable mentions for me, which would be Bros, the Nicholas Stoller, Billy Eichner movie coming out at the end of the month of uh, September. Nicholas Stoller, of course, director of uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, I think he's always going to get a uh, uh, an honorable mention from me with that. And, you know, I love Billy Eichner. I think he's Billy on the Street is one of the most hilarious shows that's ever been on television. Uh, the way he just screams at people in a way that should be incredibly off-putting and yet is just deeply hilarious. Uh, so I'm excited to see him get to kind of like stretch his... His muscle and be a, a romantic lead in a, in a rom-com. Rom-coms are not my favorite genre of, sh- of movie, so it, that is kind of dampening my enthusiasm a bit, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it whenever I get the chance. Um, and then also uh, The Good House, which is a movie that uh, seems to be giving Sigourney Weaver a really fantastic late-in-life uh, role, and the movie itself seems like it's a bit broad. It, it seems a, a bit... Unusual. Based on the trailer, there seems to be quite a bit of direct address to the camera from Sir Granny Weaver, which I was a bit surprised by. But uh, beyond that, it seems like just a really great role for her as this kind of woman who whose husband leaves her after decades of marriage because he uh, he comes out of the closet and it sends her into rehab, and then she kind of has to try to rebuild her life and ends up uh, romancing Kevin Klein in the process and. I'm just here for a movie with Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline romancing each other. That sounds great. And if and it seems like this part has a little bit more teeth to it than just the sort of like softer version of it that we sometimes do see for these like, you know, over 60 actresses who get these sort of early fall, early spring sort of releases that somewhat go overlooked. Um, So i'm hopeful i i I don't know if i have high expectations but i think this is one that could surprise people and i'm and i'm excited to see that happen
1: yeah and that one's from uh at least co co co-directed by maya forbes who and i'm somewhat familiar with her because i saw um, a movie she did with um some of our favorite marvel actors uh, mark ruffalo and zoe saldana film called infinitely polar
0: bear um golden globe dominated infinitely oh was it
1: wow yeah i guess i missed that (laughs) (laughs) um and i really like this she has kind of a soft touch but still dramatic and i'm hoping that that's going to be able to translate here i have to say i i i was watching the trailer i'm like wow i'm really like any scene between sigourney weaver and kevin klein absolutely loving the director dresses the camera. I'm
0: like, oh, no, what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah, like, I don't know why I Weaver needs to be Deadpool in this movie, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, also, I got to say, there's
1: one scene where she shows a picture of a young Kevin Klein being like, you know, he used to be really hot. And yes, she's correct. But then you look at him here and he's like, he's still hot. Like, what are we talking about? Come
0: on. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is especially. I mean, like, especially for his age, but even not considering his age, he's a very attractive man.
1: Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad I have some confirmation. I'm like, did did I step into Sigourney the first
0: like
2: <laughs> No Sigourney Weaver standards are just that high. As they should be, to be fair. You know? Yes.
0: It's time to move on to October, which has I think you know maybe my most anticipated film of the fall and i think we could all agree on this one that uh sean mendes starring turn as lyle lyle crocodile on october 7th is is what we're all expected to be getting that best picture nomination uh come january but uh outside of that there you have it folks on to november
1: (laughs) i mean Noah, you're gonna see it right it's got javier bardem how can you miss it
0: I cannot believe that it, like, and and then, like, if you watch this trailer, Noah, you're just going to feel, like, what the hell is happening? He seems like he's having a great time. He's truly playing the lead in, in a children's movie, which is just a thing that I never thought I would see on here for Tim do. Uh, is he going to yeah, take I, his teeth out, like in the James Bond movie? No, certainly not. He's a goofy <laughs> fellow in this movie, and I'm, and I'm so you're happy am so happy goofy taking your teeth
2: out. You can spit it into someone's drink.
0: I suppose. Like a 90s I, kid show. <laughs> He's got a lot on his plate handling Sean Mendez as a singing crocodile um, through the streets of Manhattan. Uh, but, yeah, I just I, I just truly this really, really, really seems like a parody uh, trailer that would have been released like ahead of like, like in a 30 Rock episode. And I just really can't believe it exists.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and who knows? Maybe this is like this. I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, well, to be fair, this is how I felt when I saw the trailer for Paddington. I'm like, that looks freaking terrible. Um, although you know that had British charm and Paul King behind it, and uh, this one does not.
0: I have heard so, so many good things about the Paddington movies. I might actually watch them at some point, including on Highly this podcast now. where we reviewed Paddington Two with our guest George Effler a couple years ago. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think this is going to be Paddington. I mean, you know, no disrespect uh, to everyone involved. Apparently, it's based on a beloved children's book series. Uh, if you say so, trailer. Uh, but anyway. Putting that to the side, uh, Noah, what are some of the movies you are actually looking forward to this October? Because there are, you know, a couple of really major ones.
2: Uh, Again, this month, too, also has a lot of examples of taking some, in some cases, very obscure and in some cases, not so obscure um, angles from actual history to make a move out of. In terms of, like, the the obscure bit, uh, right after... Or, no, I guess it's the same week as it's going to be competing with Lyle Lyle Crocodiles, So that might be a, a big fight. But um, The Lost King with Sally Hawkins, Harry and Steve Coogan uh, about an amateur historian looking for the remains of Richard III. Again, like not the thing most people would be like, yes, that sounds like an entertaining movie. But these guys are, these people are willing to take a swing at it. I and mean, I love Sally Hawkins. So hell, why not? Like I'm
0: I'm absolutely down for that.
2: And, and it's also directed in by a less...
0: Stephen Frears, whose yeah. movies always get Oscar nominations. And this seems a bit broader than that, but I've said that about other Stephen Frears movies and been proven wrong. So I guess we'll <laughs> see.
2: And then in a in a less in a less obscure historical um subject for a movie the week after that, we have Till coming out, which is about the um lynching and aftermath of the Emmett Till murder in nineteen fifty. 65 mid, mid 50s mid or late 50s um which if that comes anywhere close to doing justice to that subject matter is going to be an intense intense watch hopefully hopefully intense in a good way because this is absolutely a story that is just is, is way too papered over and ignored um for most americans especially white americans so um I I really hope that it's intense in the good way and does justice to to this incredible, to this remarkable story matter. So, those are the two that I'm going to have my eye. Well, two of three. There's a third one, but I know Justin's going to be talking about it, so I'll I'll hold off on that. Uh, Yeah, hold. Yeah.
0: H- holding on till for a second. That's starring uh Daniela uh, Danielle Detweiler uh as Emmett Till's mother um and it seems like she is the real focus of that film. Uh and she is a phenomenal actress that I fell in love with uh due to her work on Station 11, the HBO Max miniseries from last year. Uh just like breathtaking work on that show and That makes me much more interested in this film, which seems kind of like a down-the-middle sort of historical biopic, uh, which is not always my favorite genre of movie. Um, Obviously a very important story that people should know about, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a compelling film. But I think that with Danielle Detweiler at the center of it, there's a chance for it to be really, really special.
1: Yeah, and that's directed by chin Chukwu, who of course did uh, the film, clemency from a few years ago starring alfrey woodard about a prison warden who oversees uh executions and was i gotta say you know the way this film looks like that film is very much not that so i was really curious about seeing her this writer director attached to this project and i have to agree with you on deadweiler i haven't seen her in a lot but i think i first saw her in the harder they fall from a few years Mm -hmm. ago and that's like in a film that has that amazing of an ensemble, the fact that she still stood out to me, I think is a real credit to her. Um, I love seeing her in a starring role. And I also appreciate at least this film seems like it's really tackling the aftermath and her activism instead of focusing on the actual crime itself. It seems like it's still a part of it, but it's, you know, at least there's this other aspect to it because I, you know, I think that's the, the part I'm really interested in. Um, you know, not to, not that I don't want, you know, I don't want to, not that I want to whitewash history or anything, but I think it's how you deal with it and, and what you choose to show or not show. Um, so yeah, I am curious about that. Um, I I will say like for some of the a film that I I'm guessing that Noah was queuing me up for before is the new McDonough movie, uh, which yes, of our is our Inishirin, um, and i've i've spoken i believed at least to you alex about i i found it really fascinating that this was his next film because this was a this was supposed to be a play and it was supposed to be the third part of his aaron islands trilogy which of course the cripple of Inishmon, lieutenant of inishmore and the banshees of inishirin um and he put off producing the banshees of inishirin for so long saying in his words it's no good <laughs> I guess he fixed it. Maybe he had his his girlfriend, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, take a look at it and give him some notes. I don't know. Um, But uh, he's doing it as a movie. And it's set in the 1920s in Ireland after the Irish Civil War, which was a pretty, if you don't know about Irish history, it was a pretty fraught time of of for that country. And really, unfortunately, along with many other factors, set the template for the troubles to come later in the 20th century. And I'm curious how that how that historical aspect plays into the events, but it appears to be about uh, Brendan Gleeson and um, Colin Farrell, who are playing friends. It's a nice team up for them again from In Bruges, which is my, maybe my all time favorite movie. Um, and they apparently have uh, fallen out, and it's not entirely clear why. It appears to be more one sided. Brendan Gleeson does not want to be friends with uh, Colin Farrell anymore, and the the dialogue to me sounds very much like uh, mcdonough in his early irish plays um it also stars carrie condon who i think most people will know as stacy Trout from the both breaking bad and better call saul she's also a mcdonough veteran she's an irish actress she was the original moraine in the lieutenant of inishmore she's been uh she was helen in the cripple of inishmont so she's worked with him a lot i believe she was in three billboards outside of missouri as well um and yeah i just i'm not quite sure what to make of it (laughs) to be honest just based on the trailer um but i really am getting some early you know some of his early work kind of vibes from it um but yeah i don't know i have to say i i have not i don't know if i have the same um fondness or i've really followed him as closely as i used to mcdonough um i wonder if part of that was just my kind of gradual disillusionment from three billboards um (laughs) but i am glad that he's going back to ireland and i you know i think that he's done some great work there so i i hope that this is another one of those
2: i i very much agree like my this feels like um and this sounds like mcdonough kind of returning to his roots um because when he's focusing on that I mean, even in Bruges, which takes place, you know, and is filmed uh, within the titular Bruges in Belgium, it's a very Irish movie. It's about some extremely Irish dudes, uh, and they're very and their their um massive emotional damage uh with themselves and with each other. And that is like that is McDonough's wheelhouse. Irish people unable to escape, like you know, the, the the dark side of Irish history and the Irish economy and Irish society, and just not really able to figure their shit out. Like that's kind of where he's where he's at his most scathing, I think. Um, so this, and especially with Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, I mean, they're the two leads in in Bruges, and their chemistry uh, was the first was the first thing that drew me to that film, and for me, it's still the pillar of that film. Um, and for me, it was you know you had In Bruges, which is this, this abs- absolute masterpiece of a film. He after that he made Seven Psychopaths, which I really want to revisit because I feel like a lot of people continue to sleep on that. Like not that it's on the same level as In Bruges, but it's but it's a lot more interesting and out there than people gave it credit for. And then Three Billboards, like he was just he was too far out of his comfort zone in that movie, and it, it's easily his weakest film. Ironically, and this is so often the case, that's the film that got like awards attention. And, like, introduced him to a lot of people, which, you know, we've we've had that debate about so many filmmakers. Like, the one film of theirs that finally gets award attention, and everyone's like, that's not their, not their best film. Anyway, so this sounds like the sort of return to form that could indicate that he's, like, kind of maybe worked his way back to what works. That's my hope, at least. Because of Three Billboards, I will keep my expectations in check until it's out. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm tentatively optimistic.
0: Yeah, I mean it just seems like it's a movie that has a lot of Colin Farrell and and uh and Mac- and um Brandon Gleason just kind of like sniping at each other, just like Colin Farrell Which just
2: is in bruges.
0: That exactly. is in
2: bruges. And so that's
0: I'm, why it's amazing. I, I can't imagine it's gonna be bad, but it does look like it could kind of go off the rails, so we'll have to see. Um a movie that is highly anticipated by many, including maybe me. I'm honestly not sure, and that's why I'm bringing it up here because I want to ask you guys about it movie called Tar which is uh written and directed by Todd Fields kind of like the big return for Todd Fields people have been anticipating him uh coming back for 15 years and, and he's finally here uh he made people might know him as uh, the writer director of In the Bedroom which is a movie that got a lot of Oscar attention uh in the early 2000s um that I saw and didn't like as much as I anticipated I would um and then Little Children which is a movie that came out I don't I think 2004 2005 something like that I haven't seen that either but that was a movie that a lot of people really really loved as well and he then took like 15 years off and now he's back and uh and it's a a movie starring kate blanchett as a female orchestra um conductor and uh the trailer is interesting to say the least um how are you guys what's like let's do a temperature check on this one how are you guys feeling about Tar?
2: I think this is definitely the sort of character piece that if 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 the screenplay is right and if they really let Cate Blanchett sink her teeth into it, it's definitely the sort of movie where Blanchett's performance alone could make it worth a watch. Whether or not it rises above that and and is and has qualities beyond just Cate Blanchett, we'll have to see. But that's that enough is enough to give it potential in my book.
1: It looks like the movie looks like a lot. Um, but I will say (laughs) just, just based on the creative people behind it, like it is one of my, like, it's one of the reasons I would put this up there with, um, Banshees of Inish and, and another film that I'll mention, which I'm sure is also high on, on both of your lists as well for this month. Like why this month is like so exciting to me. Um, I have to say like the part of why I'm excited about this is the cast is just like, like chef's kiss. (laughs) I mean, and a bunch of people that i'm like i didn't ever expect them to see to see them in the same movie um in addition to kate blanchett you got mark strong nina haas who of course um noah you would definitely know from phoenix um she was the lead of that movie um and uh noemi Mer- merlant who of course was the lead uh one of the leads of portrait of a lady on fire and um and julian glover who people might know as Kyburn from Game of Thrones, also was the villain in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, I just love that this is the cast that's been assembled for this return for for Todd Field. Um, You know, he's had a lot of projects languishing for a while. He was supposed to do an adaptation of the Cormac McCarthy novel Blood Meridian, um, which I guess we'll get at some point, maybe. Um,
2: wow okay that uh, i don't know if
1: he's gonna do it my but, attention sir um there's a lot of names that have been attached to that project um but yeah like i just i mean this looks i mean the the trailer if you haven't seen it i mentioned like you know how pretentious this movie gonna be and uh you could you could maybe apply that <laughs> to, to just the way that this the whole the trailer works with this like gradual like slow smoke um you know coming out of Kate blanchett's mouth And this really strange monologue about obliterating yourself before the world and God, (laughs) of all things. I don't know what any of that means. That
2: sounds like the international classical music scene, to be fair.
1: And that could be it. Maybe he's playing into that. And uh, that's, you know, maybe it's maybe he's actually like kind of uh, deflating the pretension there by by showing how ridiculous it is. Um, But, yeah, we'll see. I I think it looks really cool, if nothing else.
0: (laughs) Well, and speaking of things that look cool but could be uh deathly pretentious, Triangle of Sadness also comes out October 7th. That is the Palme d'Or winner uh for this year uh by Ruben Ostlund or uh, Ruben Ostlund uh who of course uh directed The Square uh from a couple years ago, which also won the Palme d'Or. Um this is basically about a luxury um yacht that is traveling around uh, the Atlantic Ocean with a bunch of horribly obnoxious rich people, and then some calamities occur. It's got an interesting international cast, um, and including Harris Dickinson and uh, Woody Harrelson as the captain. Um, and uh, I'm really curious, guys, are you anticipating this? This is this made such a big splash out of out of Cannes, but I have to say, when I saw the trailer, I thought oh, it was a bit uh, much for me.
2: Okay, so I'm not in a position for personal reasons where I can be really objective about this because I I may have mentioned this in the show before. My my wife is a distributor for uh, a film for a film distribution company within Germany. Uh and she is in charge of arranging the German release for uh, a big high-profile French movie called Lost Illusions, which is based in the Balzac novel. Uh and she is running into a brick wall because of this movie. Like theater after theater is saying Oh, your movie sounds great, but we already booked the the can winner, so uh, no can do. So she is very, very angry with this
0: movie and with the fact that it exists at all. Do so, they say no can do because we have the Palm Dor winner? Like, is because that, that would be fantastic. Uh, um, word. That
2: doesn't quite <laughs> translate into German, uh, and I, oh, in general, I think that. German movie theater owners are not that witty. Um, they go on the them there, <laughs> well, so. When she not in a, a memoir position I could be like, yeah, yeah I know, I'm going to go and watch this movie, because that would
0: uh, make my home life very uncomfortable
2: for the foreseeable future. <laughs> so I abstain, courteously.
0: Okay, so you, your abstination has been uh, reflected on the record. Uh, you have recused yourself. Uh, but Justin, with no personal conflicts, what would you say about this movie? Are you looking forward to it?
1: you know i don't know it's i i'm a huge fan of force majeure which came out almost a decade ago now i think um and uh saw the square and like was highly anticipating it and um you know that's a movie that like works like sporadically for me like it's not it's not the consistency i want to see from like a really great satire like it's no dr strange love um And this film feels like it's more in line with that movie. Like, I feel like it's going to probably have some entertaining moments and other moments where I'm just like, all right, I'm just really sick of these people and I don't care. Um, it's There does not appear to be a single sympathetic character involved, which is not a requirement. And I got to admit, I have a little bit of respect for that. Um, And it's certainly an interesting cast, as you mentioned. But I got to say, I'm getting real, like, the square vibes from it. Just a, a different world. Um, and I'm just wondering if it's going to have the consistency of like really great satire, if it's just going to be, you know, kind of like sporadically insightful and uh, and mostly too broad.
0: Yeah, it just seems kind of like mean spirited. Well, it seems extremely mean spirited, but it, to service what point? Like, oh, rich people are indulgent and uh, self centered. Like, oh wow, what a fantastic uh, insight into society you've done. Uh, now, and obviously, appar-
2: apparently at the moment, the only material in Germany available at all for marketing purposes is just a poster with with a picture of one of the older characters vomiting.
3: Yeah, like that's it. That's all that the movie. Well. That's
2: all the movies being marketed on within the German market at this point in time. So,
0: well, and, and and like the symbolism there is clear. Like they've engorged themselves as rich people yeah. to the point of excess, and now they are finally paying for it. Uh, I mean, like, Like Monty Python already did that, so... I mean, and and I will say, you know, I'm being very derisive of this film, but it was highly respected by a lot of critics that I respect, so it's entirely possible that there's a lot more going on there, but it just doesn't really grip me uh, as much. Uh, As the critics have been wrong before, see David O. Russell's filmography well we'll get to that uh in a little while but before we do foreshadowing children something that i think is wrong as well is the fact that uh wonder the movie starring um our friend from room uh jeremy uh uh uh, jacob tremblay uh it got an inexplicable sequel directed by mark forster uh Called White Bird, a Wonder Story, where they wonder, um, well, remember that movie where there was this boy with the condition that where his face was um, deformed and and he was bullied and everyone learned to love and accept him. Well, what if we followed the the bully at his new school um, and he's having a tough time because he was a bully and so he goes to his grandma and his grandma tells her him about the time that she survived the Holocaust. And learned uh, that bullies were bad uh, in the Holocaust, and what? I and I guess this is apparently what? based on a on a graphic novel that is a sequel to the Wonder graphic novel. So, or so there is like a basis for this, but to me it just strikes me as a very bizarre franchise expansion uh, attempt. And um and by by Noah's out, reaction, Marvel? It sounds Question like mark? he feels similarly. But Justin, I mean, do you want to watch a movie where Helen Mirren recants a tale about the time she was a young, uh, a young teen falling in love in the Holocaust, fighting bullies? Not really, no. No. Okay, good. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> wow, that's uh, Helen Mirren. That's,
1: uh... And I love Helen Mirren.
0: But... Well, there is no shortage of Helen Mirren this, uh, this, this, uh, this fall. Uh, We'll get into where she's popping up next in a little while, but... Um before we do, of course, we also have the end of uh the Halloween uh trilogy, David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Is that something that any of us are looking forward to? The traumatic inclusion?
1: I gotta be honest, I dropped off after the initial film, which everyone seemed to love uh except me <laughs> and-
0: well, and then this and then the second one uh, most people seem to hate, so yeah. I could understand why you didn't decide to to dip back into that franchise but uh, people seem interested, and I've heard rumors that this one goes in a surprising direction. So I guess we'll have to see. Uh, in October 21st, we also have Ticket to Paradise, which is uh, directed by Ol Parker, uh, starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts uh, as a uh, divorced couple trying to stop their uh, their 20-something daughter from impulsively getting married to a man she met on an island. I guess. Uh, we might be covering this later on uh, this fall for the podcast uh, with Friend of the Show, Matt Taylor. So I'm curious, ahead of that, uh, I spoke to Justin a little bit about this, so I think I know his thoughts, but I don't know, Noah, what you think about this movie.
2: I I mean, I'm hearing about it, you know, preparing for this episode for the first time. So I, I don't have any thoughts either way at this point.
0: Yeah, for me, it's not like a top anticipated film, but it is like... George Clooney and Julia Roberts in a rom-com together feels like something that we should have gotten a dozen times for between now and 1995, and I'm just glad and that George we're getting Clooney, it.
2: Yeah, like, George Clooney is long at the point in his career where he can do whatever the hell he wants, and generally speaking, I think he's had good instincts. Like, he's gone for serious stuff uh, when it's been worth it, and, and he's gone for, you know, weirdo tongue-in-cheek stuff. Yeah, I mean, women, the last so. time
0: these two teamed up was Money Monster and Justin. I mean, as our resident Money Monster, what do you, what did you think about that pairing? And are you excited for this one?
1: Well, uh, I didn't know I had that title, but I'm I'm grateful for it. Um, He's yeah. preoccupied
2: with his daddy cry, daddy. Um, <laughs>
1: that is one of those movies so i'm like i look back and i'm like why did i catch up with that movie like why was that like top of list for me because i uh,
0: probably for yeah. jack o'connell because i think there was that moment in time when we were all very hot on jack o'connell and yeah that was a big starring role for him did that I maybe have... ruined his career <laughs> did i have
2: a face with him i can't even I, I can't picture a face uh
1: did you see 71 or uh start up or unbroken
0: no that no. was
1: kind of his that was at least that was his how i got second, in.
0: or the third season of skins
2: <laughs>
1: nope
0: <laughs> once we're in the realm of tv that's a, that's a hard
2: note for me
1: mandatory for every male british actor um to yes. be on um yeah um yeah I, I i you know i think both of those actors like you know i would i'd love to see them in a you know, I actually like rom-coms quite a bit. I just think some—it's t- hard to find a good one these days. Um, and I like—I would love it, but I don't know. Just based on the trailer, I can't say it's like super promising. I mean, I gotta say I like the fact that Caitlyn Dever is playing their daughter. I just love seeing her in anything, pretty much. Um, I hope this isn't the kind of thing. It takes place in Bali, which uh, of course is one of the islands in uh, Indonesia. Um, I just hope this wasn't an excuse to take people on a you know vacation to Bali, and then they're going to make a movie also. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see.
0: Movies have been made for worse reasons, Justin.
1: True. <laughs> um, I did want to mention, uh, and maybe you were going to bring this up too, Alex, um, but my other anticipated movie of this year, or, or sorry, of this month, rather, is uh, Decision to Leave, which is the next film from Park Chan-wook, who, of course, people will know as the director of Old Boy, and sympathy for mr vengeance and of course the handmaiden which made it you know which really had a lot of um was very popular here as well um and this is looks really fat fe- like it almost looks hitchcockian to me like i'm getting some suspicion vibes <laughs> from it if anyone's familiar with that film um it, it involves an investigation of a man who dies in a sort of mountainous region and the detective is talking to the deceased man's wife who is played by tang wei Um, who, of course, Alex, you and I know very well from Long Day's Journey into Night, um, but is also a very well-respected and, um, and a very popular actress in her native China. Um, and I just, like, the look of this movie, like, honestly, like, I would say, like, as much as I love his films, like, whoever cuts the trailers for Park Chan-wook, I just do a great job every time. And I don't even know if it's always reflective of the movie, if anyone's seen the trailer for The Handmaiden. But they are so gorgeous to look at. He's working with probably the top, you know, the top of the top when it comes to cinematographers. Um, And just the the air of mystery about it. This seems like the kind of thing where there's a mystery and it's not going to be fully solved. And we have to live with that. And I am such a sucker for that kind of movie. Um, so this is definitely one of my more anticipated, probably of the fall in general.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you spotlighted that, because I think that is definitely something that could really come around and make a big impact. You know, Asian cinema has been really doing well um, in terms of both box office appeal and uh, Oscar chances lately. And I think this one could hit the culture uh, in a similar way. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, another film that I am looking forward to a lot um, in all seriousness is Armageddon Time, which is James Gray's, uh, return to cinemas, uh, starring Jessica Chastain, Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, and Anthony Hopkins. Kind of his, his take at the Roma apple, you know, all of the great auteurs of our generation are getting a chance to, uh, make their own personal, intimate dramas about their childhood. Uh, and this is definitely that for James Gray, and he's in he's a director who's, who's, uh, work is always so personal and so um emotionally evocative and I really really loved um Ad Astra, which came out a few years ago and I'm really excited to see what he does with this cast which is just I mean so fantastic I love every single person that I listed and it's really exciting um, I can't wait for this to come out. it's It's opening in limited release october twenty eighth and goes wide uh, November eleventh. Um, are you guys looking forward to this, Justin?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, both Ad Astra and the Lost City of Z from a few years before that were yes. like among my favorite movies of of their respective years. um i I have to say, like I did the only film of his that I haven't liked was the immigrants, although I haven't seen his early stuff to be fair um and that was a little more small scale than this and this actually looks like it's going to be like maybe small scale but i just am riding such a high from his last two movies that i just don't see how it's going to be bad um you know anthony hopkins like you mentioned i mean i just there's never an unwelcome time for him (laughs) in a movie um and it, it seems like the kind of thing where it's it is a filmmaker looking back in his past and there's Um, my understanding of the movie is that it was him really reckoning with, um, looking back in that time, trying to minimize nostalgia, like really looking at it honestly. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that has played into so many movies and is usually kind of expected of this kind of film. But James Gray is the kind of guy who makes like, he makes a certain type of movie and then twists things a little bit and, and gives you something that's unexpected. Um, and I'm hoping he's going to do that for, for this kind of movie as well.
0: Yeah, he knows how to make a great romantic film and then also undercut it with a, a dose of cynicism in in the middle of it. And that's just a that's just a vibe that I love and that I don't think is very easy to pull off. Um, I really can't wait for this to come out. Uh movie that I'm I'm just more confused about than anything is the Netflix's uh, Paul Feig movie, uh, The School for Good and Evil. Uh, I, guys. Could this get could this could this movie and this trailer be any
2: more explicitly Harry Potter knockoff?
0: Yeah, it's really
2: going so like possible.
0: I've never I've never watched a uh, Feig movie that I haven't liked Feig Feig. Um, I, I like his whole career, you know, um, Bridesmaids, The Heat, even the Ghostbusters reboot. I've liked all of it. Uh this has like an insane cast, including, you know, uh Carrie Washington, Charlie Theron, uh uh Lawrence Fishburne, Michelle Yao, uh Peter Serafinowicz, Rob Delaney, uh Patty Lapone, even uh Noah, our beloved Rachel Bloom. But it definitely just looks like what if Netflix made a Harry Potter knockoff and I just like I I don't know yeah, I don't like know. It's <laughs> jarring. It's like jarring. It's, It's such a fantastic cast of of adult actors, and it seems like they're going to be in the service of uh, a couple of magical children, and and maybe that could be fantastic. Um, I mean, it it feels like
2: someone said, oh, what if we did Into the Woods, like, with that darker subversion of, but, like, all of these fairy tales exist in the same universe, uh, but it's a darker subversion of that, and it's Harry Potter, and they all go to Hogwarts, and I'm like... Yeah, and I mean, you know, certainly... be doing a Harry I Potter mean, knockoff? I'm not convinced.
0: We we definitely are in desperate need of something to replace Harry Potter in the culture, so maybe this could be that. <laughs> yeah, but like it
2: doesn't, like, I think it, it's, be- it, it's better off if it's something that's not so obviously hitting the Harry Potter beats. Like, even like, the whole sorting system at Hogwarts, like even early on people were criticizing like, it, like the sorting hat basically decides you guys are good and you guys are shit when kids are 11. <laughs> Basically. So, like, The School of Good and Evil could be an alternate universe Harry Potter title.
0: Uh, yeah, like, I suppose. it feels like it's going to be a backdoor satire. Oh, you think so? I, I, I have, mean, the, the trailer certainly doesn't give any indication that this is being played satirically. It all no, seems it like doesn't. it's straight.
2: Like, the only way out of this I see is if it actually is a satire and they're desperately trying to hide the facts that it hits did... theaters and
0: people are like, what?! as as long as as Rachel Bloom gets to sing, I'll watch it. that's that's how I feel.
2: <laughs> I will watch those scenes on YouTube
0: later.
1: Uh, he's hoping for something along the lines of a simple favor, another Paul Feig movie that was definitely not what I expected based on how it was marketed.
0: Yes, and I love that movie as well. So like yeah. he really has never disappointed me. So I guess I should have more faith, but um, it just, yeah, I don't know. we'll have to see about this one. um uh, another movie that is more of a question mark than i would have thought is called jane the phyllis Nagy, yeah i was wondering uh, if you guys direct direct to bring this one up yeah so phyllis Nagy is the writer of carol which is of course a film that i absolutely love um but and this is a movie kind of about the the movement in this in the 50s and 60s uh Prior to the to the legalization of abortion in the United States, which has now been unfortunately reversed, um, there was this kind of brigade of Janes, as they were called, uh, women who helped uh, get uh, other women get provide access to uh, other women for abortion. Um, And uh, this stars like an all-star cast, including a lot of people that I love, like Elizabeth Banks and Sigourney Weaver again, Chris Messina, Wimmy Masaku, who many people might know from Loki, uh, really, really fantastic actress, and also Kate Mara. Um, This movie came out at Sundance. It came out um, uh, alongside another uh, documentary feature on the same subject. And the story out of Sundance was that the documentary feature was far superior to this one. And this the, the documentary came out on PBS earlier this year. Um, I have not caught up with it yet, but I have heard really good things. This I heard is like a little bit didactic and a little bit kind of like that sort of like historical uh, drama uh, burden that we often see where it kind of has to be everything all the time and the characters don't get to actually be people. But I don't know. It's obviously a really important story and it's it's really a, a strong uh performers and creators behind the scenes so i'm hopeful that it's good but it's a little bit of a question mark for me what do you what do you think justin it's yeah
1: yeah i mean and and it's interesting to me like phyllis nage is such a like prolific um playwright and writer in general and she's not credited on the screenplay here at least from what i could see um she's just a director yeah um, and you know i i don't know I don't, there's almost a part of me that's like, but why? (laughs) Like, I mean, you know, like, don't want to, you know, don't want to tell her what to do, but like, I was kind of, when I saw that I was a little surprised, I have to admit.
2: Yeah. So we'll have to see. Um, It's yeah. the, The timing is just really kind of uncanny. I mean, obviously they couldn't have planned the production of this film to be coming out like within half a year after a massive reversal of abortion rights, um, within the United States.
0: It actually was planned because of that. Like, obviously they didn't know exactly when that was going to be happening. But in, if you look at the coverage of both this and the documentary Mm. at Sundance back in January, back before (laughs) the Supreme court um, ruling Mm. um, it was all of the conversation was like, we know that since, you know, um, justice, Mm. uh, Amy Coney Barrett was put on the court that, the abortion rights are in grave danger and we believe by the time this movie comes out, they could be repealed. And so we really wanted to make a a, a message movie that reminds people of how important it is to fight back and to, to help. So this was definitely on the mind of the people responsible for this film, even if the actual ruling hadn't come out when the film initially premiered at Sundance.
2: Okay. That makes sense. I mean, this is also, this is going to be premiering less than two weeks before hugely important midterm elections in the U S which very in a lot of areas are going to revolve around abortion access as a major issue. So I, I don't know. It doesn't get more timely than this. And I, I, I don't know if that'll be beneficial or, or harmful to the film in terms of people being able to judge it on its merits. I don't know. I'm a dude, so I don't feel equipped to like offer a judgment on that, but well, the, that's time, okay. the timing is certainly a thing.
0: Speaking of things that maybe Dude shouldn't weigh in on, um, there's a new Mia Hansen Love movie, and I know Justin, you are a big fan of her as a creator, and I'm really curious what you think about this movie coming out October 22nd, One Fine Morning, uh, which stars Leia Sadu as a woman who is kind of uh, dealing with the fact that her father is slowly um, losing his faculties um, as he ages.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really curious about it, uh, not just because of Lisa Du being in it and, you know, how could I not want to see a movie with her, Um, but also just, like, it seems like there's a lot more incident in this movie. <laughs> I get, like, a lot more things happening, like, more dramatic things happening, and I tend to associate her films with more of, like, this kind of low-key hangout kind of style, so I'm interested to see how that works out in this film. And maybe it's the kind of thing like with Things to Come, where it's, like, there's a lot of dramatic stuff that happens at first, and then it's kind of like, okay, now i'm now I'm living my life with those consequences and kind of living in the moment. um and i I'm curious just to see what her approach is to this. and it seems like something that she you know she conceived of like so it feels like something that really came from her, but at the same time, I'm just it seems like a very different um at, at least just from you know reading at least from the the premise of it. It seems like something that's a little more um you know, a, a little more plot heavy um, than I might expect from her. So I'm not sure. I'm curious how she handles
0: that. Yeah. And you wonder if maybe it looks plot heavy on paper, but when you watch the film, it has more of that feel to it. You know, I feel like sometimes yeah. with these smaller movies, like they try to beef up the plotness of it when they're trying to sell people on in the movie in the descriptions. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh, there's it. really it's really more invested in just what it's like to be around these people and there are things happening, but the emphasis is on that experience and less on the kind of dramatic stakes. So I could definitely see it going that way, but if not, it would be an interesting departure for her, which I think would also be cool. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, now it is almost time for us to move on, but I did, uh, we would be remiss not to mention, you know, last year in October, we had a, a major, we all got to, uh, to meet carnage and, 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 uh, we let there be, um, that carnage and for Venom too. And and that was a great experience that we all shared together, I'm sure. Um, but uh, this year, the big comic book movie for October is Black Adam uh, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson as the titular Black Adam, the antagonist of the film itself. You know, he is an antihero of sorts in DC Comics. Uh, he has promised that this film will change the hierarchy of power in the DC universe, which is a very bizarre tagline that he is insisting on using in every interview, uh, that he has Interesting. had, uh, it is, uh, directed by Juan Colette Sarah, who I think is a really talented director who has been trying to kind of like salvage, uh, movies that I'm not particularly interested in, I mean, by big studios me, over the last few wait, years. Hold
2: on. Let me put it, let me phrase it this way. There are much worse things that could happen to Warner Brothers and the DC universe than to have Dwayne Johnson take over the reins like that is not the worst idea that I can think of.
0: Sure. He's going to be playing, like I said, like the kind of like anti-hero of this movie. It's going to it's also starring uh, Noah Centineo as Adam Smasher, Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, uh, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Um, also, uh, Marwan Kanzari, who I think we all remember as Hot Jafar, is in this movie. Uh, so that's that's exciting. Um it basically yeah i i have like literally no anticipation for this movie but i felt like we had to d- at least mention it uh noah i'm guessing you're not particularly interested in this either
2: it's let me put it this it's not that i'm it, it's not that i'm like critical of it this is not the comic book movie of the fall that i want to spend time talking about yeah justin how about More you foreshadowing, Let's not yeah, talk about
1: I mean, it. <laughs> I, honestly, this like I, I rewatched the trailer just to confirm. And my my reaction upon watching is like, boy, this film is just joyless, isn't it? Like, that's what it, at least that's what it looks like. And I have to say, like, I don't know if I buy The Rock as an antihero. I don't know if I've seen things from him where I'm really convinced he could pull that off. And here it's just like, I don't know. It's like I'm watching The Rock and he's got a, you know, dopey costume on. Like, it just, there's nothing about it that's that's really, like, that looks surprising to me. It just looks like, I'll be honest, it looks like not a lot of fun. And I don't need superhero movies to be fun necessarily. But I don't know what it's going to offer if it's not offering that. And, uh yeah, I just, and, and Khaled Sarah, who you mentioned, like, I, I didn't realize this is the same guy who's directed all the, um, the non taken Liam Neeson movies (laughs) like (laughs) that we forgot existed. Um, And so I don't know if I'm super excited just based on that. But uh, who knows? I could be proven wrong. I just it's really strange when you consider like how fun Shazam was. And then you look at this and you're like, what even is this? Like, who is this for?
0: Yeah, and and we also like so you bring up Shazam because in the comic books you know Black Adam is like the main antagonist for Shazam, and there is an assumption that they will be clashing in a third Shazam movie whenever that happens. Um, and he, Black Adam is or uh, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson rather is very excited about the prospect of maybe facing off against Superman at some point in these in these movies. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This has been on the schedule for literally like a decade at this point. They they announced this. So long ago as coming out, and, and they just kept pushing it back and pushing it back, and they finally have it out now, and and it just seems like for what ends, I don't know, but I guess we'll see. There's always a chance that it's better than we think it's going to be. <laughs> now it's time to move on to november and november is the time of the year where like a lot of big movies finally are coming out you know we had a lot of smaller movies a lot of interesting question marks in those first two months but november has movies that with big big uh talent big big premises big big titles and uh i'm excited to talk about some of these things um now i think we need to just get out of the way um, the David O. Russell movie that comes out November 4th, Amsterdam. Uh, this movie stars uh, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Rami Malek, Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, Timothy Olyphant, Michael Shannon, Chris Rock, Anna Taylor-Joy, Andrea Riceboro, Matthias Schoenhart, Alexandra Novolo, and Taylor Swift. Uh, and it is said to be about... Three friends, a doctor, a nurse, and an attorney, uh, becoming the prime suspects in a murder in the 1930s. The tagline is, "A lot of this actually happened, and it's sort of a true story." So this is uh yeah,
2: we've never heard that from a David O. Russell film before.
0: Yeah, and this is David O. Russell uh, on the heels of taking a big long time out from making movies, mm-hmm. and after his uh after his uh Amazon Prime show was canceled due to uh, his own admission to um sexually assaulting his niece um which did not prevent all of those very talented people from deciding to make a movie with him so uh, i mean but alex
2: i thought time was up
0: that's what they said I think time is up on the penalty that David O'Russell was paying for his uh, transgressions, unfortunately. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> Noah has infamously hated everything about David O'Russell from the very beginning. And, uh, no, so, well, no,
2: no, 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 no. Not from the beginning. The Fighter, great movie, still holds
0: up. There you go. Just as soon That's... as he started making movies with Bradley Cooper, mm. you were out. That was your thing. <laughs> yes, yes. So. i <laughs> put it
2: to you this way. The, the the single best 15 minutes of American Hustle are the the scene where Robert De Niro parachutes in and so clearly does not give a fuck. That was the best part of that entire movie.
0: Well, he's Which back is, to maybe not give a fuck this time. Are, so are you going to
2: see this movie? <laughs> no. So he, all I'm going to say about <laughs> no. it is this. being like half culturally German at this point being like semi assimilated into German culture I am obligated by law to have a constant mild contempt for the Dutch. Even with that in mind, the Dutch deserve better than David or Russell.
0: Okay. on that note, Justin, what are you thinking about this project, which certainly will be a big awards contender and possibly a big uh, moneymaker given the cast, but uh, has a lot of back baggage at the very least. Yeah. Well,
1: first of all, let me say I I don't necessarily condone the the statement about the Dutch. I don't know where that <laughs> came from. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm
2: kidding. The Dutch are lovely people.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. You know. It's it's okay.
2: <laughs> and that's why they don't deserve this bullshit. <laughs> um.
1: You know, I gotta admit, like I'm watching the tour, I'm like, you know, against my against my wishes, this actually looks kind of fun. I I gotta say, you know. I don't, I want to be very clear. I don't think all the filmmakers that I'm a fan of are perfect people, but there's something that really bothers me about Russell that has nothing to do with his movies. It's the way he makes them. When there's a history not just of being difficult, but actually abusive, that's where I start to be like, why are we giving? Like, why is this person still working? Like, this would not be acceptable in another workplace environment, and somehow it's acceptable here. Because of the money and the stars involved, I'm just, and I, I gotta say, like, it, uh, there's so many people in this movie that I respect, and I'm just like, I don't know if they've thought about that or if they have, and they've come to their own decision about it, what have you. It's just, I can't say it's not a little disappointing.
2: Yeah, so it's like at the height of his popularity, stories were circulating around about how like George Clooney decked him, and he yeah, was on was, the list like, of I like worst this is directors not, like, to, to be unset with.
1: Yeah, and this and, is not new. I apologize if I'm spending too much time on this, but the story that Alex mentioned, obviously, you know, that's a that's a horrible thing. But there's also there was like a, a long history of decades of this kind of thing that was condoned. And I just honestly, it just it's the kind of thing where I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna Like, I might try to see this. You know, I don't know if I'm going to see this in theaters. I, I might wait to see what the response is. But it's it's disappointing. You know, the film is not really in terms of the film itself. It looks like it's not giving away a lot, which I guess I have some amount of respect for. Um, I don't know what to think just based on it's very it's very brown, (laughs) Um, which is uh, certainly an interesting choice in the cinematography. Um, But uh, yeah, it's just there's so many people in it. I'm just like, I hope this thing is is not going to be spread too thin because it's just like, you know, just you name it like person after person um i don't know what to think i hope it's not going to be the thing that kind of irritates me if i do get around to seeing it um though you know i don't know it might irritate me for more than one reason and more than just the film itself so yeah, yeah i have some fraught opinions on this i guess
0: I feel very similar to you, Justin. I think I'll probably have to end up watching this eventually, but I hope to watch it in a way where I don't necessarily need to give him my money as a result of my viewing of it. And if that means having to wait a while to watch it, I'm totally fine with that. Now, as a little bit of a palate cleanser, I want to talk about another movie that comes out November 4th, and this is a movie coming out exclusive to the Roku channel, and that is Weird, the Al Yankovic story, uh, directed by Eric Apple, uh, uh, co-written by Al Yankovic himself and starring uh, Daniel Radcliffe as the titular Weird. Uh, so, guys, what are you thinking about this? I mean, you guys are the big music people, uh, big 80s music people especially, So, j- I, but I don't really know what your your association with Weird Al is or how you feel about it. Noah, he seems like a guy you would like. Uh, am I right about that?
2: Oh, I like Weird Al songs for like, my soundtrack in high school.
0: Okay, I saw him live in concert.
2: I, <laughs> I have, I saved, I saved a couple of the, the weird, the, the, the Weird Al dollar bills that he floated down from the ceiling during one number <laughs> in that concert. So big Weird so Al fan. Are excited
0: about the prospect of watching Daniel Radcliffe be Weird I mean, Al for the Roku yeah, okay, channel? So, a, I am. Well, okay. So how I'm going to watch this, I,
2: I don't fucking know. But Roku channel is free. It's, so oh, anybody
0: can watch it. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: So, I'm a huge Riddell fan. I'm a massive fan of pretty much every decision Daniel Radcliffe has made post-Harry Potter. Like, I just, I no notes, 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> could this be the role that supplants Swiss Army Man as my personal favorite Daniel Radcliffe performance? Maybe. It it's definitely has potential to potential. It is a high bar. I mean, you know, it's really hard to top being an overly flatulent corpse that really? reanimates itself for reasons that are never explained. If one guy, if one character could do it, it's going to be Weird Al. I like the fact that they're very clearly, this is definitely not going to be a straight-up musician's biopic, which thank God, because those are overwhelmingly boring as shit, or just straight-up bad. So I really hope that they, I I hope that it's filled with Weird Al vibes. Like, that's what a Weird Al movie should, should be.
0: Yeah, and so. given the fact that he co-wrote the script, that certainly like I'm kind of of two minds of that sort of thing. On um, like the one hand, I would prefer a biopic to have a bit removed from its subject, so that way we could maybe see it from a different perspective. But on the other hand, um, if you look at it more of like a uh, visual memoir by Al himself, that certainly has a, its own kind of appeal, and it's going to yeah. be yeah. you know and he it's is co-
2: definitely someone definitely he is definitely someone who does not take himself too seriously
0: not at all like as a profession he does not take himself too seriously so despite the fact that he is actually a very talented musician by all accounts uh the but in any case uh Julia nicholson is also in this and i love her very much rain wilson is also in this evan rachel wood is playing madonna in this movie um that's exciting so uh, justin how are you feeling about this project
1: um i don't know
0: <laughs> like, you seem it's... like someone i would have guessed would not necessarily be the biggest Weird <laughs>
1: You know, I, I say Weird Al, like as someone i like, I, when Pete, I mean, Noah, kudos to you for going to see him concert. I don't know if I'm that much of a fan of him. Like, he, I was a like great him. Concert. he
2: is a good musician.
1: Oh, no. And I like, I, I, that was like, that's been very clear to me. Just like, even just hearing certain songs and, and seeing him perform, he's someone who's going to make me laugh. And yet it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, but like I like I like his songs, but like how many times can I really listen to them? <laughs> you know, like it's not <laughs> I don't have the same relationship. The with answer music is a lot that I have with so many other artists uh, where, you know, I love revisiting them. Inclu- and I'll, I'll say this, too. It's not just like it's not like I don't like non-funny stuff. I love Tenacious D. But like that also has like, you know, it's it's not just parody like they are writing original songs. so It's a little bit different. Um, I will say okay, just so here's
2: the thing. Weird Al writes tons of original songs that are just as good as his parodies.
1: That's true. Yes, he will write a lot of original stuff of, that is just are, yeah, that are great
2: that's compositions. a great composition.
0: That is a good point. Well noted. I
2: can, I can recommend to you a few later.
0: I can't imagine they're going to be heavily featured in this movie, though, which is very much about his <laughs> yeah. rise to stardom in the 80s.
2: Yeah, like the trailer feature is like a surgeon. So that's yeah. I mean, that's yeah. to be. Ex- and, and also the polka rama's. although those themselves like it's hard to do a good mashup. Of, of a bunch of disparate songs but his polka ramas are universally excellent yes they are
1: they're they are quite good and i i have to say like the film is definitely like it has a comedic like slant to it you know not just and not just not just comedic but like like fourth wall breaking which i'm like is that gonna get annoying after a time like the there's a scene of of daniel radcliffe you know in the full like mustache and hair of Weird Al, in the 80s saying I need an accordion, and then just a bunch like pop into frame. So um, that's and, like, that, that was the bit
2: of the trailer
0: where I was like, okay, this could work. This could <laughs> and that was the part of the trailer where Justin was like, ah, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> like I said,
1: I'm of two minds about it, but uh, yeah, and I don't know. Like I'll be honest with you guys, I don't know how I feel about Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see, like, oh, yeah, that's Weird Al, or if I'm just going to be like, well, that's Dana Radcliffe doing Weird Al.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I think it's a little bit of an odd choice, honestly. He doesn't really evoke Weird Al to me, um, even in that trailer, but... I'm excited for him to get a lead role, and um, I think that it's fun that he's found uh, another kind of unusual sort of opportunity to be a leading man in a non-traditional sense. So I'm here for it, at least. And he has a couple of shirtless scenes in that trailer, and he looks great. So, you know, good for him on that as well. Um, But (laughs) if you're not necessarily looking forward to Weird, the Al Yankovic story, Justin, what is something you're looking forward to in November?
1: Um. So I'm actually. People might be surprised I'm not going with some of the more high-profile filmmakers, but uh, at least for this for this pick of what I'm most anticipating. But I have to say, The Sun is maybe my most anticipated. I was a huge that was fan. My guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um. You know, Alex, you and I, and I, I don't know. Noah, did you see The Father?
2: Uh, we're you're talking about the Anthony Hopkins, <laughs>
1: and, which and Olivia Coleman. Yeah, Yeah. and and I have to say, I I feel like it's been at least in memory has been sullied a little bit because of the whole Oscar fiasco. But that's not absolutely that was my reaction.
2: (laughs) I I saw the father. We saw the father after that whole fiasco. Okay, and my thought was, wow, amazing movie, great performance, totally deserved the Oscar. And I'm now I'm really sad that he couldn't have won it in any other year and just not had any, any of the drama overshadowing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. any other context and not like and course, no so like take away yeah.
1: how excellent he is in that movie and uh, this is he's also going to be in this movie uh i believe it stars hugh jackman and it's and florian zeller is he started as a playwright he did the father and really showed i think how you make a play cinematic there's such a formal inventiveness to that film and i'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to bring that into this one Um, And I think a lot of people just like rightly have uh, looked at his talent. He's also co-adapting this with Christopher Hampton, who was also involved with father. I think he's, I think Hampton's a really talented playwright and, uh, and screenwriter. And um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to another powerful drama that is formally inventive with really talented people. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it looks really awesome.
0: Yeah. And the premise sounds really, really interesting as well. Like Hugh Jackman plays the well it plays uh the father and the son in a certain sense because anthony hopkins i believe is his father in the movie the ghost uh and uh and he's basically he's he's remarried to this uh, beautiful young woman vanessa kirby and his ex-wife played by laura dern who we love kind of shows up with his uh son uh played by newcomer jen uh, zen mcgrath and uh kind of that introduction of his son into his new life uh, sort of shakes things up a bit. And uh, Jackman has been playing a lot of interesting roles over the last few years, uh, not afraid to play an unlikable protagonist. And I really hope that that's kind of the direction that this goes. I think it could be really, really interesting. Um, and yes, it, it really sets us up for the big conclusion to the Zeller trilogy of the Holy Ghost coming uh, next year, I assume. But <laughs> very much on my list Noah, what's a what's a film that you're really looking forward to for November?
2: Uh, so I'm gonna hold off on the obvious one because we're we're definitely going to get to that. Um, one that I, I that caught my attention, not necessarily even because of any of the premise or anyone um producing or or acting the movie. you You noted in the synopsis for Strange World that it's uh, an original concept of just like this action adventure story. Uh, of this like or no, an explorer family like a family of explorers and they have these high-flying adventures um i i'd like to have hope for that just because um i i feel like we need more original ips to a see the light of day uh, at all and b be good enough to kind of you know break through and remind people like oh like we can also, and, like, remind the film industry, hey, we can also make original stuff. We don't have to, like, keep remaking things into eternity. You know, that's something that Guillermo del Toro tried to do with Pacific Rim, and I think was moderately successful in, in breaking through with something that was was completely original. Um, it, it sounds, like, the premise sounds very open-ended. It could be bland. It could be a complete disaster. Or it could be, like, a surprise hit and, like, spawns a whole new... Fandom of its own. So it, it's like I, I'd like to have hope that that's something like that could still come out and be good and make some waves.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Disney's animated fair has not necessarily been something to sneeze at recently. You know, I mean, last year we had uh, Raya and the Last Dragon and also had Encanto and both of those movies made big splashes and were original stories that were very exciting to a lot of people. Um, this one, uh, is directed by Don Hall, who, who was one of the directors for Raya and the Last Dragon. He also directed Big Hero 6 a number of years ago. That's a movie that a lot of people have really a lot of fondness for. And he did work on Moana as well, which is a movie that we all love. Um, so I think that there's a lot of reason behind the camera, uh, or rather <laughs> behind the animation board, if you would, uh, to be enthusiastic about it. Um, I can't say I'm super interested in it just based on the teaser trailer that dropped. It seems kind of like, you know, um, maybe pitched for a slightly younger audience and something that I would want to watch on my own. But uh, that's totally fine. Obviously, uh, they don't need to make movies appealing to 30 year olds. uh, So that's fine. Um, But yeah, Justin, what are you thinking about Strange World? Is it on your list? Yeah,
1: I I have to say, I don't know. And maybe it's just because of part of it is the look of the film. I mean, that's kind of undeniable. Um, The thing it actually reminded me of, I don't I haven't looked enough into it to see if this was a an influence on it. But if anyone's familiar with the work of the artist Wayne Barlow, who was actually a consultant on uh, the first Avatar movie. Um, he did a whole series of paintings of like weird creatures that were not necessarily meant to look organic um, and that's what this film was really making me think of a lot um, which is pretty cool I did not expect it from a Disney animated film and I don't know I, I I echo what Noah said I like that it's an original thing it's not based on anything the uh, teaser trailer is kind of seems to be drawing upon like like old like adventure serials or pulp novels or that kind of thing i don't know if that's going to be a part of the actual film itself but i respect it as an approach for marketing the movie um so yeah i i'm hopeful i mean i like that jake gyllenhaal's involved i mean i you know it's you know generally making good choices and i like that you know that 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 this was the animated film you wanted to be a part of is certainly intriguing to me
0: yeah absolutely now there's, I guess, we're gonna leave the big, high-profile movies to the end of this discussion because we all want to be a special little boy and pick the the side <laughs> conversation that we most like. So I'll I'm gonna do that up as our well. Indie darling. Exactly. I'm gonna do that as well by talking about the November 23rd release of Bones and All, which is the Luca Guadagnino uh, film I am that's coming out. That you would pick that, Alex.
2: I'm so. <laughs> th- th- I never saw this coming.
0: It is. Monocle sorry timothy chalamet which may be why uh noah is giving me a bit of a hard time uh but also taylor russell and uh michael stuhlberg and mark rylance uh, very interesting to see both of them in a movie together you know i feel like you're only really allowed to have one or the other these days um also Jessica Harper, Andre Holland, who I love so much as well, Francesca Scorsese, who is, of course, Martin Scorsese's daughter and who is great in another uh, Luca Guadagnino project from a few years ago, We Are Who We Are, the HBO series that he made. So this movie uh, could really be um, a mess. Uh, It's kind of the premise is basically like Romeo and Juliet, but what if uh, Juliet came from a, a family of cannibals? Uh, so, I'm, um, but also, doesn't that sound great? Like, wouldn't you love to watch a movie like that? So, especially directed by Luca Guadagnino, who can really play romance and uh, the kind of incredible, like, elation of, of, of new love, and also can play the incredible horror of a film like Suspiria. And I'm curious what that kind of balance is going to be like in this film. And I really, really can't wait to watch it. Um Justin, am I crazy? Could this be like the best movie of the year? I mean, I I honestly
1: wouldn't put it past him because I have to say even like just watching some of the footage from it again, it's beautifully photographed. It has kind of like a the thing it made me think of weirdly was Wild at Heart, the David Lynch movie, which is also about these lovers who are kind of from different worlds and are trying to negotiate this, you know, their their uh let's say less than satisfied family members. um (laughs) but uh yeah i just i love the imagery of it um i i love you know i'm so glad to see taylor russell again i thought she was so fantastic in waves a film that i think a lot of people have forgotten came out um and uh yeah and i just love timothy chalamet working with luca guadagnino again so i'm i'm highly anticipating this um i hope it's you know i hope it's fantastic
2: and and I have to say, we, we have to be fair, it's not like Shakespeare and cannibalism is a combination that does not already exist. So if you're <laughs> saying if you're saying, Hey, our film was Romeo and Juliet meets Titus Andronicus, hey, I'm I'm in. I'm it.
0: That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he, now, to be fair, he hasn't referred to it as Shakespearean in nature. That was kind of my ad lib. He refers to it as a romantic horror film, and that is a certainly evocative uh, combination of genres. So I I can't wait. I'm, I'm very excited. And hey, look at us guys! I'm so proud of us. We got through that whole thing without talking about Army Hammer. So anyway, moving on. Um, uh, speaking of eating things, uh, the menu is another movie, a little a little movie, uh, with a big cast that I'm very excited about uh, this movie comes out November 11th, uh, November 18th rather um, directed by Mark Mylod, who I know best as the director of some of the best episodes of Succession. Uh, and it stars Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Nicholas Holt and uh, Ralph Fiennes, or Ray Fiennes. um Ray at, Fiennes. Oh, wrong... It's, it's yes. a tricky name. Yeah. I know. Ray Fiennes. I know. I know. I just said it wrong reading it. Um, in addition to uh, John Leguizamo, Judy, Life, and Hong Chao, uh, this trailer just looks like a blast, it looks really fun, I can't wait, it looks like the movie that um, I feel like the triangle of sadness is is also trying to be, but I like this version of it much better. I actually, um,
2: I've mixed those movies up a couple of
0: times in my head early on. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like it a bunch of... it sounded like the same premise. <laughs> a bunch of people uh pay several thousand dollars for the exclusive opportunity to eat at this like uh exclusive restaurant on an island and uh seems like it turns into the most dangerous game at some point basically and Ray Fines plays the uh maniacal chef uh and Anya Taylor-Joy as his uh counterpart it seems at least as the movie sets it up are you, are you uh excited about it Justin
1: I like. I am. I'm. I'm certainly hopeful. I. I really like the look of it. It seems uh quite depraved in the right ways. <laughs> There's one. You know, like there. They, it looks like they're riffing also on restaurant culture, which I find really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's interesting, and I didn't know this until after I saw the trailer, is that this was a project that Alexander Payne was supposed to direct at one point also somewhat disgraced but wouldn't surprise me if he's you know going to come back uh director um and admittedly one that i'm at least artistically a bigger fan of than david o russell but i'm curious about that because this definitely has like elements of thriller and horror and that's not what i think of when i think of alexander payne so i'm curious how much of his dna is still on this but like you said I hadn't heard. I, I realized, I'm like I don't recognize Mark Mylod as a as a film director, but then I looked him up, and he's done a lot of impressive elements, uh, episodes rather, of TV. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't go wrong with the cast, and uh, yeah, it looks like a wild time for sure.
0: Absolutely, I, I really so, I hope that this becomes a thing because that would be really fun. Like it reminds me a little bit of how we were all looking forward to, you know, Anya Taylor Joy uh, starring in Last Night at It's Soho last fall, and then I feel like that kind of petered out unfortunately once we all saw that so i hope this has a bigger punch than that one did
2: yeah so it's this trailer has been playing it feels like in front of everything i've seen in theaters for the past like four or five months so i've seen this trailer a lot really it's getting it's getting marketed very heavy over here uh and it's a good trailer it's a very good trailer but it is one of those trailers where like Okay, maybe this could actually be brilliant and maybe the people who made the trailer were just really good and they're, and they're like giving a high string, intense, visually bizarro impression of a movie that doesn't actually exist and the actual product is going to be a big letdown from the pedigree. Yeah. So like it's, I could see this going both ways and the trailer gives me really no solid ind- indication of what actually is going on, which again, could be a good thing because it means it's setting up for a surprise. It could also mean that it's like hiding the fact that the movie in the end is not really about anything substantial. So I I can see this movie going both ways.
0: Yeah, I could, I could definitely see it going both ways as well, but I really hope it goes the way that I want it to. (laughs) Now, another movie that I had a question about before we get to the big ones is a movie called Devotion, which is directed by J.D. Dillard, who is kind of like an indie uh, filmmaker getting a big bump up here with this kind of big budget uh, historical uh, studio film starring Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell as a unlikely uh, friendship. Uh, in the Korean War as naval fighting pilots, um, with Jonathan Majors being one of the first, uh, African American naval fighting pilots in, uh, in the Navy, apparently. So this movie seems like it has a chance to be like a big kind of like, uh, big Thanksgiving, uh, it's kind of family, uh, dad movie, sort of big, um, box office success. It seems like it also could end up being a big Oscar player if it hits the right way. Um, but the trailer really seemed kind of like a straight down the middle sort of historical drama. Um, Justin, did you see J.D. Dillard's previous work, especially his film *Slate*, which is *Slate*, which I think was uh, big a couple years ago?
1: Yeah, I I didn't. It was one of those ones that I was like considering and ended up just I just had too many other things and ended up uh, casting it off, unfortunately. But yeah, that was how I was familiar with his name. And I guess I would just say that's kind of my vibe from the trailers. Like it does look down the middle, but I like Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell so much. that I'm like, I don't know, they might they might be able to do something with this. And I also like the fact that this is coming out. And I think you even mentioned this before, Alex, of like how it's coming at the same year as Top Gun Maverick. Which I think you and I like less than the rest of the world, I think, um, <laughs> apparently. And I have to say, it's really nice I to see I've this. It. And it looks like there might be some really impressive dogfighting here, too. Um, but the planes are so different because it's, you know, we're talking about Korean War, we're talking about mid 20th century. Um, so I just like that aesthetically it looks like it could be its own thing. Uh, and yeah. I, I do appreciate that. I hope I again hope it's good. Um, but yeah, definitely getting some dad movie vibes from the trailer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just like my fear is that it's just going to become like this year's green book where it's like, look, a white person and a black person in history became friends. And now we know how to solve racism. And it's like, I don't I really for for all of the talented people attached to this movie. I hope it doesn't get boiled down into that because that would be a little unfortunate. But, you know, any opportunity to see Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell act together seems like worth the price of missions. So,
1: yeah, be interesting to see. And there's another – I don't know if you were going to bring this up as well, Alex, but I, I did want to bring up a movie coming out called She Said from this month.
3: Mm-hmm. This is from
1: Maria Schrader, and it's written by Rebecca Lenkowitz, who has been involved with a lot of movies that we've loved on this podcast, um, or that uh, we I think we've mentioned <laughs> before. Um, uh, Ida – or sorry, Ida, rather. Ida, yep. uh, From – Again, a little while ago now, she's been involved with um, Disobedience, which, of course, the Sebastian Lelio film she was involved with. And so I'm curious about that. But also just even if I didn't know that uh, seeing the trailer for this, this looks like at least it's going for a investigative procedural vibe. And I am such a sucker for that kind of movie. I love Mm -hmm. Spotlight. I love all the president's men Um, when it's done right. (laughs) You know, it's like ends up being like one of my favorite things. Um, so it looks like they're very much going for that. I'm curious how it's all going to play out. It's got a great cast. Zoe Kazan, Carrie Mulligan playing real life New York Times reporters who are investigating the Weinstein scandal. Um, and you've got some other great supporting players, uh, like Jennifer Ely, for example. Uh, and I will say if I have any reservations, it's the fact that it appears Weinstein is going to appear in some form. There's a shot where it looks like we're seeing him from Wait,
2: behind. Himself? Uh,
1: no. I, I, I that would no, be...
2: no, he's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be insane. Dodge that bullet. <laughs>
1: um, but at least portrayed. And there's also a moment where we're hearing his voice, like you know, on a on speakerphone, basically. And. I just don't know how I feel about that choice. Uh, Maybe it'll play out differently when I, you know, when the film comes out. Um, But as that is one thing that's maybe giving me a little bit of pause um, because I really don't want to, honestly, I'd rather hear from the survivors than I would from anything to do with that man.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that that's basically the, the take that they're going with though, for the movie. Like they didn't cast a big actor to play him in the film. He's, I think that it's more that we're getting, uh, like the way that the trailer shows it, it's like we see him from a distance from behind. We get him on a phone call, like in a pivotal point in the character, other character story. I think it's more like we're—he is this this looming presence that they are trying to dethrone. Um, I don't think that he is an active character in the film. Which I think is the right choice, like you're saying. Like, it shouldn't be his story. He shouldn't be centered in it. So I, I think that they're making the right choice there.
2: It sounds like a little bit like um, what was it called? The assistant from uh, a couple of years back. Yeah, well,
0: in the assistant, like he literally, like the character who is the Weinstein-esque figure, like literally is never seen or heard except through like, uh, I think like one time there is a phone call where you could just hear him do, yelling. But yeah,
2: like we hear like like in the background.
0: Yeah, you know? but so I think it's gonna be like slightly more than that, but not to the point where like there's even like a real like notable actor playing him or anything like that which is definitely I think the correct choice and yeah this one I'm definitely looking forward to I um I think that like it really could go either way though because like you know these like recent i'm thinking of like bombshell for instance like these movies where it's like this famous thing happened very recently and we're going to tell the story of it and it can sometimes be a little bit like glamorizing a story that shouldn't necessarily be treated that way but it seems like i have faith that actresses like carrie mulligan and zoe kazan wouldn't attach themselves to something uh without it being respectable in this way. There are two actresses specifically who really have great taste in the projects that they take and oftentimes are only working on things that they're producing themselves. So I think that them lending their credibility to this project, I think, makes me... Feel like I'm in safer hands than if than if it was just like oh we're going to be telling the big Hollywood version of the story about how two reporters took down Hollywood, which could be very backpatty in a way that might not necessarily be what you want. I, I I hope that that's not where it goes, and I'm putting my faith in uh, Mulligan and, and Kazan to lead me uh, to the promised land, if you will. But speaking of The Promised Land, uh, there's two other really, really big releases coming out this month that we've all been kind of talking around this whole time. Uh, They're both coming out uh, November 11th. Uh, One of them is opening, limited uh, November 11th, opening wide uh, November 23rd, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, That is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and The Fablemans, directed by Steven Spielberg uh, with an all-star cast. And uh, I, of course, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever directed by ryan Cookler. uh it feels, feels like that goes without saying but i should say it anyway uh so i'm curious obviously we're both all of us are highly anticipating both of these films i'm curious which film we're anticipating more noah i'm going to start with you on that question uh definitely wakanda forever i mean like with spielberg
2: it's sort of, I'm not like a, I'm not like a huge Spielberg fan where like I have to, like I eagerly await every release. It's like, if it comes out and it's good, then I'll see it. But Wakanda forever is, uh, I mean, just and the trailer alone is currently the contender for my number one trailer to come out this year. Cause it is amazing. Just the, the music and the sound editing on it and the way they mash together. No woman, no cry, uh, with all right from Kendrick Lamar is just absolutely perfect. So the, the trailer is hitting all the right notes. And I sincerely hope that like the movie that that's representative of what the movie as a whole is going to be. I, I am a little bit, I mean I I hold myself back of course because Black Panther stands alongside Thor Ragnarok as like my two my top two favorite Marvel movies and for me two of like the big game changers for the MCU. Uh, and for comic book movies in general. And with Thor Ragnarok, we already have the case for the same director, and I, I assume mostly the same creative team around him came back yeah. for another swing, and we all thought, that's fine, but it's a step back. It's not, it's not as groundbreaking. It's not as interesting. Uh, and that could absolutely happen here. I love Ryan Coogler. If you guys remember, I, I picked him as our, I forget what we, what, what we called it, our, our favorite up and coming director or our favorite yeah. director of the 2010s, whatever uh-huh. our title was for that. But I picked Ryan Coogler for that on the strength of Black Panther combined with virtual station combined with um, Creed uh, Creed. Yes. <clears throat> so like, I absolutely want to want to see Ryan Coogler like continue that upward trajectory and not plateau already or like take a step back. But I, I obviously I can't know that until the film's out. So I'm going to be like, i'll be a little bit torn in terms of how hype do i want to get until the film's out until then
0: yeah i uh i am not at all worried about the quality of this movie i think unlike taika uh, ryan kugler and his team have been doing nothing really but developing this film for the last four years and so i really think that they have put in the time and the effort to make sure that they handle this in a way that is tastefully done is respectful of the passing of Chadwick Boseman of course and is just this like incredible vision of, of the future but Justin before yeah, we it, keep talking yeah. I want to ask you what you were of the two what movie you're most anticipating
1: it's probably like I gotta say it's actually close but I probably would
0: go Wakanda
1: forever um interesting yeah it's there's you know again that the, that first film is only like improved for me over time um you know, when we first talked about it, um, I think I agree with you. No, I thought that the music choice in that trailer is just insane, um, in a good way, <laughs> um, insanely good. And I also just like this idea. It appears to me that there's going to be like a sort of, um, you know, cultural conflict. We're being introduced to the Atlanteans, which are a big part of the Marvel comics, um, and Namor specifically, the sub uh, mm-hmm. Submariner. that's correct yep yeah okay that's uh yeah that makes more sense than submariner anyway but i gotta say even like the scenes underwater look really impressive um again at least in the trailer and it's one of those things where i'm like yeah this is um like this is why like i i like i'm so glad i have this so i don't have to watch aquaman (laughs) it really (laughs) like like, they're really doing something uh really artful uh, with it and i'm just so impressed it looks like some really impressive underwater photography
2: like that one shot of the whale in that trailer we're going to get to this it looks like you could have taken that from the avatar trailer
0: it's i'm really really excited about it but <laughs> i it might surprise we're you upon it.
3: <laughs>
0: it it might surprise you to learn that actually the fablemans is the one that i'm more looking forward to of the two uh Contrary to my brand, which is all things Marvel, uh, and certainly, but if I had to make a list of five most anticipated movies of the fall, uh, Black Panther would probably be number two or three on that list. Vailman's is number one because this Steven Spielberg movie, co-written by Spielberg himself and Tony Kushner, has an incredible cast. It stars Michelle Williams and uh, Paul Dano and Seth Rogen, um, as well as Jeannie Berlin and uh young actor named Gabriel LaBelle, who I don't know very well, but Julia Butters, who I do know well from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also Judd Hirsch, and the triumphant return of Oakes Fagley. Very happy that his career was not ruined by the goldfinch because uh, that he didn't deserve that. It wasn't his fault that movie was so terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think i'm most excited for this because uh i know a lot about the details of this this is of course a movie about loosely based on steven spielberg's own family and time growing up in arizona um and sort of about the time when his family falls apart basically um and i find the story of his family so fascinating uh because you know, his early career was so defined by being a child of divorce, and he, he seeded that through so many of his classic films from the 80s. And that really did, I think, help, help fortify him as this Gen X director, as this person who really had this like emotional connection to that generation. Um, and it was all due to this kind of like rumination on this, like, uh, this complicated, relationship with his father and his feelings of abandonment and you know i'm not going to tell you the details but what i will t- because i don't want to ruin the movie for people who may be watching it uh going in cold but i know a lot of the details and basically his understanding of his father radically changed um late in life when they were able to reconcile and he learned the truth of of what was really going on in a way that he uh, was ignorant of as a child and uh, this movie is kind of like a a gift to his to his departed father in a way to try to like um, make peace with him through his art and I think that that's really fascinating and I'm just so excited to see what that ends up looking like especially on the heels of West Side Story which was a movie that. Spielberg and Kushner uh, did together that I liked so much more than I anticipated I mean listening back to our episode from the fall preview we were all very much like I very hesitant towards that project and I turned it turned out it was fantastic and I loved it so much so yeah I'm very very excited about this
2: no I definitely think it, it could be great like it has it has all the right pieces in place to be you know another top level Spielberg work
1: and of course, you know who's doing the music, right, Noah? Hans Zimmer. Take a, That's no, the only name I could Spielberg's think of. Spielberg's directing, so take a wild guess who's doing the music. <laughs> uh, Beyonce. <laughs> oh, I thought this would be a swish. <laughs> I thought this would be a layup for you.
2: <laughs> Rage Against the Machine?
1: <laughs> yes. Ted Rage Nugent? Against the Machine have been <laughs> have been uh, contracted to do the score for this latest Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Coming of age film. Yes. Um, No, it's uh, of course, John Williams.
3: (laughs) Of course.
1: (laughs) Of course. Anyway. um, Yeah. I, I, I have to say like, I'm really curious about what an intimate sort of family drama from Spielberg looks like. And not that, not that he hasn't done that before, but usually it's like some other aspect of what he's doing. That's at least is more of the attention grabber. Like what gets you into the theater right in films like Close Encounters or E.T. for example and I actually think he does that really well and he hasn't done it in a while which is why I am really excited for this movie um and uh, yeah the cast like you mentioned Michelle Williams just you know again talk about great choices and just a fantastic actress probably one of my favorite working actors in general um and uh yeah Oakes Fegley who of course uh, I think we were fans of in Pete's Dragon um, good to see him again, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I I hope this is really good. And of course, Tony Kushner, you know, generally like I think is able to do good things. You know, I probably am a bigger fan of his plays than his screenplays, but still, like managed to do I think some really inventive things with West Side Story, which uh, even surprised me, being a fan of him. So uh, yeah, really hope this is great.
0: So now we're going to open up the December uh, section of our calendar, which is, I think, honestly, surprisingly light given um, what usually comes out. Now, there are some undated stuff out there that we will get to at the end. Uh, Possible that some of that stuff ends up falling in December and and flushing it out a little bit. But I think there's not a ton here that is really jumping out to me as exciting. So I'm just going to go straight to you, Justin. Um, What here are you looking forward to in the month of December?
1: Yeah, so for my uh, my anticipated film of December, I'm actually going with Empire of Light, which is the latest film from Sam Mendes. And he's actually writing it, too, which I find interesting. And it appears to be a sort of love story set around a, an old cinema on the south coast of England in the 1980s. So a nice little period piece, but also with a great cast, Olivia Colman, who, again, like, honestly it's like been on such a hot streak recently and i'm so happy for her i wish her nothing but continued success and we've also got people like colin firth and toby jones who i think we all love um i just really love this sort of small scale like nostalgia kind of feel um of this and uh yeah and it's been a while i think since i've been really excited for a sam mendes movie um i And I I hate to keep going back to this, but like, I think I'm a bigger fan of his like theatrical work. Like he's really he started in theater, uh, did some really great productions, including one that uh, Noah and I saw of uh, The Winter's Tale. And uh, but I I just honestly, anything Olivia Colman does at this point is going to be something that I want to see really badly.
0: Yeah, I fully will concur on that front. Uh, Anything Olivia Colman is in, I want to. Be watching as well and this seems like a very sweet little movie um i wonder if it'll uh feature any of the cacophony that 1918 did i wonder if it'll like slip that in at any point but uh uh probably not 1917 i should say uh probably not though uh i I, it's sort of like the premise of this movie i read and it made me laugh because it's just like the the log line is uh emperor empire of light is a love story set and in and around a beautiful old cinema on the south coast of england in the 1980s and that just like (laughs) it feels exactly the sort of thing that most people would be like who wants to watch a movie about that that sounds boring and yet like anybody who like loves movies is like oh that's why don't they make movies like this anymore so i really hope that that is the case and that it is really a, a throwback in a positive sense and i and i i'm definitely looking forward to it noah how about you what's something that you're looking forward to in this month
2: so i think i'm gonna go with uh woman talking primarily because i really like the cast this is another mo- another movie that's going to deal with um sexual abuse i assume against women within um, a tight-knit religious community or is it a cult or do we not do we
0: know which re- it's referred to polity. as a religious community not a cult so okay
2: but i mean that line can be very thin i guess we'll certainly think. um so uh, another movie, so a heavy subject matter about sexual assault within a tight-knit religious community. Uh, I've never heard of that before, but you've got an absolutely baller cast, especially, you know, with, with Rooney Mara, Jesse Buckley, Claire Foy, and most importantly for me, Francis McDormand. If Francis McDormand has signed on to a project, like, that's someone whose judgment I genuinely trust. So that tells me, like, there's there's something worthwhile here. Uh, this could be, like, this could be a real heavyweight.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's directed by Sarah Polly, who, you know, uh, made a couple of fantastic films uh, in the mid 2000s away from her and take this waltz and then had just like a stunning documentary about her own life called Stories We Tell in 2012 and has kind of been off the map as a director since then. And I think everyone has been really excited to see what she would do to return and 10 years later, here she is. And yes, yeah, so that's definitely on my list. Justin, are you excited for this one as well?
1: So again, this is one of those cases where it's like, yes. And at the same time, the premise is so terrifying to me. I'm sure. just like, I'm just like, ugh, like, I love so much about this. Like all the people involved that you mentioned, Noah, could not agree more. Um, I feel like I haven't seen Claire Foy in a while. So I'm glad for that. I know she was in that recent, um, very British scandal show. Um, and, and Sarah Polly, too. Like I, I want to say, didn't she direct, um, Alias Grace, the, the television show? On, uh,
0: mm, no, she did no? not. No, oh, okay. she directed a, oh, no, a I'm TV sorry. show That's called A hey Lady in 2020. Another Canadian director.
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, sorry, I'm definitely getting my, my Canadian Canadian mixed up. Um but yeah, you're right. Like she has been off the radar and she's also I gotta say, I'm really like there's so many of these filmmakers that are still blind spots for me that I and she's one I've been meaning to rectify for so long. Um, also a very good actress and she doesn't do yeah. as much of that now, but like, I just love the fact, I love the fact that she made that transition. Um, cause I think she's talented on both fronts.
0: If anyone hasn't seen the stories we tell, you have to watch it. It is just, it's so fantastic. It's really, uh, it's a very exciting documentary that it, and it's sort of like, you can't believe that you're watching it. It's basically just sort of un unwinding the complicated um family life that sarah polly has and didn't necessarily realize she had until she embarked on that story so it's sort of like that question of like what it was your what was the world before and your family before you entered it and like uh How much do you not know when it comes to family secrets and stuff? And in a very moving and not uh, like horrible or like (laughs) kind of way. I think, but as I'm saying that, I'm like, oh, no, is it about finding out that like you are related to a murderer? It's not that at all. It's just it's very it's It's the redux of tell me who I am. Yeah, not not that at all. So definitely really look forward to that. Um, an honorable mention for me would be Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies, which is a new Michael Showalter film. I love Michael Showalter. I usually am at least interested in what he's doing, um, if not in love with it. And this is a story about um, uh, Michael Ocello, who is an entertainment journalist that I follow and have followed for a long time. And it's basically about uh, the the journey that he went through uh, losing his partner to cancer. Uh, he's played by Jim Parsons, his his partner played by Ben Aldridge um, and uh, Sally field also uh, featured in this movie. And I think that it, uh, it's a very interesting choice for Michael Showalter. It feels like they, he's kind of like trying to circle the big, sh- the big stick again, which is a movie that he made a couple years ago, but obviously this one has a more tragic ending and, and I'm very interested to see what he does with, that sort of a subject matter. I feel like he always tries to create a careful balance between humor and and uh, drama in his work, and this certainly seems like a tougher task, you know? But uh, in terms of endearment, could do it. Maybe this one can as well, and maybe I'm setting the bar a little bit too high on that front. <laughs> but I am looking forward to it. Uh, a movie I wanted to ask Justin about, um, because I feel like he may or may not have seen the original, A Man Called Otto, which is a Mark Forrester uh, remake of a uh, film from a few years ago called A Man Called Ova, which was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. Justin, did you watch A Man Called Ova? And are you looking forward to Tom Hanks starring in this remake? I,
1: I didn't. Um, I have to admit, it was, again, one of those ones I had to knock off <laughs>
0: <laughs> my huge, already huge list. Um Justin watches uh, 200 movies a year, Uh, so that's why I always think he's seen it, Uh, and (laughs) you're just coming up uh, like uh, snake eyes for me this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah. If there's anything we learn about me, it's that despite how much I watch, there's an amazing amount I don't. Uh,
2: (laughs) So... It's just um, a sign for how much great art there is in the world.
1: You know, I gotta be honest. Uh, like, I was just thinking about this, a movie we didn't talk about, and and rightly so, I think, the upcoming Pinocchio uh, remake, not the one that I want to see, um, is like, I just don't think I'm a fan of Tom Hanks playing a character, like a a character part, um, like where As he's really like, like having to, this... yeah, like. Uh, it's like I just I don't generally like seeing it, um, and I don't know if that's to be fair. I haven't seen the trailer for this, like I don't know if that's what he's going for. Maybe it'll be a little more Hanksian, but um, I don't know. I've just it's been a little bit of a bummer, I gotta say, with some of the roles he's done lately. And he's an actor that I really like. Um, I just don't know at least to me I don't know if he's the most transformative actor like I don't know if that's what I really respond to about him particularly as an actor Um, and uh, yeah I don't know I just this is the second Mark Forster (laughs) movie we've mentioned in fall of uh, 2022 which is interesting Um, and I don't know I feel like it's been a while for him too where I've been really excited about one of his movies.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I can't say like Tom Hanks plays a cranky old man who befriends uh his new neighbor is the the premise that's going to like hatch the world uh on fire, you know. But I, I think I honestly am much more interested in Tom Hanks's late career uh arc than you are Justin. So I I think on that strength alone I might end up seeing this, but uh, you know, maybe not in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be on my list of most anticipated. I thought, you know, I, I people really liked the the original film as well and again, that was a movie that just it just didn't get me through the door. So that that might be my own fault, but uh, I would say a movie that I'm really looking forward to is a film called uh Babylon directed by Damien Giselle. Now, uh, it has a great all-star cast, including, um, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Olivia Wilde, Samara Weaving, Toby Maguire, Gene Smart, Catherine Watterson, Eric Roberts, Phoebe Tompkins, Flea, Lucas Haas, Joven Adepo, Col- Chloe Feynman from SNL, Spike Jones, and Rory Scovel. It is about the transition from the silent film era to the sound era in filmmaking. Um, kind of like the artist, uh, it has been described as singing in the rain, but with the the song, singing, dancing, and smiles removed from it, which uh, was said as a positive, but doesn't sound like a positive to me. But I still, you know, it is the big Christmas release of this calendar season, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, are you guys looking forward to this?
1: I don't know. And it's funny because we actually, Noah and I both, I think, were fans. We talked about in on the podcast, his last film, First Man. And we were generally, I think, big fans of that one. And there's just I don't know if it's just that tagline. And I'm like, um, have these people ever seen Singing in the Rain? Like, that is a huge part of what makes that movie <laughs> like. And when you're talking about taking that out, yeah. like, so it's nothing like Singing in the Rain is what you're telling me, like just the time period. I don't understand it whatsoever. Makes no sense Yeah. To me. <laughs> um, we have. Yeah. It's a great we cast. We had
2: "Singing in the Rain." Undeniable. We had "Singing in the Rain," and then we had then we had the artist. I almost feel like this is his attempt to recreate the artist and like sneak in a whole bunch of Oscar wins.
0: Well, he's you know he loves classic Hollywood. <clears throat> it's like a really big thing for him. So I think it's a sincere effort on his part. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I watched his Netflix show, or at least I started watching his Netflix show from 2020 um, about Andre Holland playing the owner of a French jazz club. Um, and it was, like, so depressing that I had to turn it off. Uh, so I'll, I'm I'm he has been t- trending towards more and more depressing fare. Uh, I hope this is kind of a bounce back, but uh, we'll see uh, we will definitely have to see. Um We haven't talked about the three kind of big blockbuster potential movies yet, and those would be in order of potential, I think. I Want to Dance with Somebody, the Cassie Lemons, uh, Naomi Aki starring Whitney Houston biopic, which certainly has the potential to break bank uh, as a kind of straightforward biopic of her early life. Um, as a singer Uh, we also have uh, shazam fury of the gods which is the aforementioned uh, second installment of helen mirin in this uh, preview episode Um, and we have of course avatar the way of water which is a movie that we will be uh, reviewing on the podcast so guys of those uh, what are we kind of what's grabbing you in terms of the big budget uh, big box office potential december films
2: definitely shazam whitney hewson all respect to her not a musician that's ever really been big in my radar. So anything about her, it, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, documentary, or whatever, it's just not going to be a priority for me. And Avatar, I mean, it's kind of amazing that it's actually happening. Like it was a running joke for years that James Cameron would never actually get around to finishing any other Avatar movies after he announced like six, um, after the first Avatar took over the world. I, it's been, It was 2008, right? It's it's been 14 years. It's been a decade and a half. Either this is
0: 2009.
2: Okay, 13 years. Either this is a huge mistake, and we're like Avatar is way past its expiration date, um, and or the movie really relies on everyone coming to see it with like fresh in their minds knowledge of how the Navi world works, and that would be just. I think that's going to be absolutely fatal um or this is going to be brilliant because this is a completely new take and you don't have to have seen the first one and this will be like him using even more advanced 3d technology to kind of reintroduce this world to a new generation of film goers. and the movie goes on to break its own box office records i i don't know i mean like i'm sure it will be visually astounding Beyond that, I don't feel certain predicting anything. I don't feel safe predicting it's going to be a smash hit. I don't feel safe predicting it's going to be a disaster. I just do not know.
0: But are you looking Uh, forward to it? Like, don't worry about predicting. Just are you looking forward to watching it? I'm going to be... I'm looking forward to seeing it on the big screen. Because the first
2: Avatar is one of those few movies where I could say without hesitation, yes, seeing it in 3D on a big screen was a great cinematic experience. Uh, and it was worth seeing like it's one of those 3D movies that was actually worth the 3D, like 80 to 90 percent of all the movies I've seen in 3D. I've been like, ah, I could have seen that in 2D and
0: I would. have. So, been Justin, fine. how about you? Are you looking forward to this movie?
1: I don't know. Not really. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know
0: anyone who's looking forward to this movie, but it's like the biggest movie. <laughs> That's in, what I mean. Like, I feel like Avatar's but, time is gone. Like, But Avatar was the biggest movie of all time when it came out. This movie has like the distance between this and the original one is like uh, the difference between like Return of the Jedi and A Phantom Menace. So and it just I doesn't seem like people are excited Avatar for it the way burned. they were.
2: I don't think Avatar was earned being compared to Star Wars. But it was though. a huge
0: but it's a huge global sensation. Like the thing that people forget about this movie is that as popular as it was domestically, it was twice as popular internationally. And people say that their the international draw for this is much, much higher than people are realizing. It's expected to make well over a billion dollars and I don't know. I think that everyone is kind of doing the thing with James Cameron movies that they always do, where they say, like, well, who really cares about this? Is this Is going to be a disaster? And then it comes out and it literally makes all the money that possible. So I think that there's a reason I that's that true that way.
2: <laughs> and Avatar <laughs> wasn't even the first case of James Cameron
0: doing that and just completely defying expectations. No, it was like the fourth or fifth time that he did that. Exactly. uh, But so, Justin, if we're if we're all like similarly ambivalent about this thing that might end up dominating December, what is the thing that you're most looking forward to of the big budget stuff?
1: I I have to go with Noah as well. I think it's I think it's Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Um, it just again looks so fun. Fun, (laughs) like wow, what a concept. Just like I'm not even thinking about Black Adam watching it. It's amazing. Um, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna eat my words when you know,
2: we'll see. Anyway.
1: Um yeah, I mean and Black it's,
2: Adam's power is gonna be he literally spits rainbow beams.
1: <laughs> and it's it's David F. Sandberg returning. Um, and I think a lot of us were or, or you know a lot a lot of film people were familiar with him like well before he was involved with dc properties like he's a big horror guy he's done all these great short films and he did a bunch during the pandemic that were fantastic i have to say so he's really kept busy he's really keeping his and I, i just like him doing taking some of that approach to shazam and still making it fun um zachary levi looks like he's having the time of his life Um, If I have any sort of trepidation, it's the typical trepidation I do when it comes to big budget superhero movies. There's a lot of CGI, um, but I also know, having seen the first Shazam movie, that it's so much more than that. Um, And uh, yeah, I love Helen Mirren as a villain and Lucy Liu, too. Like, great. Love it. Uh, Yeah, so that's that's the one. That's the one for me.
0: Rachel Ziegler is there, uh, who we all fell in love with in West Side Story. We got Adam Brody coming back in a much bigger role this time around. Uh, yeah, I'm very, I am definitely looking forward to that as well. I wouldn't say I'm very looking forward to it, but I think I am looking forward to it. Um, like I had no expectations for Shazam,
2: but that was low-key one of the best DC things we've gotten so far.
0: Yeah, it just, uh, there's a part of me that is like, can they recapture that magic a second time, you know, because okay, it sure, felt like it true. was kind of like... Yeah. A, it felt remarkable that they were able to pull off the movie that they did the first time around. So, but you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt until you see it, right? That's the fairest thing to do. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, I also wanted to close out December just by giving a brief honorable mention to a movie called living, which is a, a Oliver Hermanus film uh, written by Kazu Ishiguro, who is a fame, very, very famous um, author, a uh, modern novelist, if you will. um writer Nobel of- laureate. Exactly. Uh, he is the author of uh, Never Let Me Go, which is a film that I've really really liked from a decade ago. Um, and uh, yeah, this is uh, starring Bill Nike and it is a apparently an almost shot for shot remake of Akira Kurosawa's 1952 film Akiru, which is not a film that I have seen, but I find that very fascinating and I am and I am interested to see uh, if this becomes like a kind of best actor. Player later in the year, or if there's anything to this, or if it just is sort of like a film school exercise with a budget. So, I'm very much uh, curious at the very least of what that will be.
1: Yeah, and I've it's funny because I have seen it's been it's mostly been well reviewed. Uh, David Ehrlich reviewed it and was not a fan and talked about it being like just completely inert, which did not excite me. Um, but uh, you know, I haven't always agreed with, I, I haven't always agreed with David Ehrlich. So we'll we'll see. I, You know, I, I gotta say when I, when I heard the premise of this, I was like, really? They're remaking like, like just a flat out, like considered one of the best films ever made. Like they're just like remaking it. Okay. Like I, I guess, uh, you know, that takes some, that takes some audacity um but uh we'll see we'll see I mean uh, well, it works we'll for Psycho, has.
0: right
1: um that was certainly it worked a thing for psycho, that happened.
0: right? yes
3: right
1: it, it well, worked honestly
0: though, right? i right? well you're 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 being very mean to that project but i feel like <laughs> history it. has proven that to be something that or uh, i won't say proven but there has been an an effort to reclaim that as a project as critically interesting um in a way that i think that it was like very um maligned at the time for just being like uh, stupid and redundant and I think I think critics have gone back and 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 explored that in a way that has, has made it much more a valid exercise and uh. Now it's time to move on to a, a kind of a new segment for us this year. Uh, we usually don't really touch on this stuff very often in our preview episode, um, oftentimes much to our, um, our, our dissatisfaction because some of the best films of the year still are not dated to be released. And we would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on some of them. So we're going to be talking about all of the films uh, that are out that we know are coming in 2022, um, but haven't quite been added to the calendar. Most of these films, I will say, are Netflix films because they like to keep it close to the vest on when they release their stuff. Um, but before we touch some of those Netflix films, I want to just hit on the films that are not Netflix films. Um, they include uh, a couple, of, uh, about four movies that we know are going to be coming out theatrically at some point, um, including um, from Searchlight Pictures, uh, Chevalier, Chevalier, Uh, which is uh, directed by Stephen Williams and written by Stephanie Robinson. Two figures from the world of television that I'm very fond of, Stephen Williams uh, directed a lot of uh, Watchmen and Lost, and Stephanie Robinson, uh, a notable writer on Atlanta and What We Do in the Shadows. So this is a, a movie, kind of a historical drama about a, uh, a musical genius who is biracial and, uh, in the sort of like, uh, high society of France, um, who has an illicit love affair. Um, it's a true story about Joseph Bologna. Uh, so, uh, starring Kevin, Kelvin Harrison Jr., uh, and Samara Weaving, among others. Uh, you guys looking forward to this one?
1: Yeah, um, I didn't know. Again, this was one I was like, "Oh, that's really fascinating," and this was not a historical figure I had heard of, which made it even more fascinating to me. Um, and just nice to see, you know, Kelvin Harrison playing something where he's not, um, you know, ha- ha- playing someone with murderous intent. <laughs> like, that's a nice change. Yes,
0: uh, Noah, do you are you familiar with this story or at all interested in it?
2: I am not. But again, I, like there's been like a continuous theme on this preview of a lot of pretty, pretty obscure historical figures or events or tidbits that are that have clearly been been pulled out of the bookshelf for movies. And yeah. again, like I'm all for it. Like, I hope it's good. I hope it's able to, you know, tell tell this important story. I, I hope I I get the chance to see it in a reasonable amount of time and that it can teach me
0: something. So, yeah. And and like I said, I'm most excited about it for the people behind the camera because these are people that I've followed their careers for years in television and it's exciting to see them pair up. Uh, for a feature film with the searchlight budget and everything else. It's expected sometime in September, but we don't know exactly when yet. Uh, another film expected in September is Alice Darling, which looks like a very small-scale film directed by uh, Mary Nighy, Uh about Anna Kendrick, uh, Wunmi Masaku, and an actress who I'm not as familiar with, uh, Kanehiti Henishio uh, Horn, I believe. I apologize if I mispronounce that terribly. Um, but about three friends, one of whom is in a uh, abusive relationship, and the other two are staging an intervention to get her out of it. Uh, that certainly I, I love a movie with a small cast that just is primarily in like one or two settings and I think that that could be uh, that um, we also have Carmen which is of course the famous Carmen opera uh, that's supposed to be coming out sometime in September by Sony that I think is kind of crazy that we don't have a release date yet that seems like a really big project um, Melissa Barrera is uh, one of the main star, is the star of that film that we know from In the Heights we have uh, Paul Mescal is in that as well Elsa Pataki A.K.A. Mr., Mrs. Uh, Chris Hemsworth um, also in that. Um, and then uh, we have a couple of we. the last theatrical film is The Whale, which is a new Darren Aronofsky film uh about a uh, very overweight man um played by brendan frazier um it's one of those things that could be a big oscar player it could be an absolute disaster um we'll have to see uh out of those are uh justin how are you feeling about that slate of uh theatrical films that we're waiting to hear when they're going to be out
1: they i mean again they're all the kind of thing that sound really interesting and i'm like well that could that that has potential um you know, I'm interested. I, I know, you know, we mentioned uh, Mrs. Chris Hemsworth. I think we should also mention Mr. Natalie Portman is directing Carmen, um, <laughs> Benjamin yes. Millipede, who has been a longtime um, choreographer in addition to sort of starting to, to get more uh, involved with uh, directing film. Uh, he's done a lot of shorts up to this point. Um, also, I have to I do have to the whale was. Interesting to me, not just I, I had certainly heard of it. I knew kind of the general premise of it. I knew Aronofsky was directing it. Um, did not know that the writer behind it, um, was Samuel D. Hunter. I'm like, oh, I know that name. Uh, he is also a celebrated playwright. I guess we're really getting a lot of theatrical uh t- tidbits from me today. Um, he. So I'm not familiar with this play. That it is based on one of an existing play that has been produced, The Whale. Um, but I did get to see his previous play, A Bright New Boise. Um, actually, interestingly enough, it's at this really tiny theater. It was at this really tiny theater in Sacramento that, um, Greta Gerwig's parents are like one of the big contributors to. Um, little Sacramento trivia for you there. Anyway, um, loved that awesome. production. <laughs> Um, had never heard of the play before, had didn't know the playwright and just like thought it was fantastic and I did had no idea that the whale was also him, so I'm really curious for that reason.
0: Yeah. And I should say that also uh co stars Sadie Sink, who many people fell in love with this year on Stranger Things, as uh mm-hmm. Fraser's A Strange Daughter. It's kind of uh, it seems yeah. like it's mostly a two hander between the two of them and people think that this could be a really big uh kind of extension of the big year that she's already having, so Uh, Noah, how about you? Of these films, are you are any of them catching your eye?
2: I mean, I'm always interested when uh, Aronofsky's name is attached to something. So, (laughs) you know, especially after some of his more recent stuff, you know, getting really out there, like with his his version of Noah, and then we had a whole episode on Mother,
0: where we were like famously loved. as now, opposed to like the rest of the universe yes now i'm uh, moving on uh, the last bit uh, the last grouping that i wanted to hit before we look at these netflix movies um are the two Apple TV Plus films that are going to be coming out. And, of course, Apple TV Plus is fresh off of an Oscar win for Best Picture with Coda. And it certainly seems like they are chasing Oscars with these two films as well. The first one is Causeway, directed by uh, Lila uh, Nergenbauer, um, and is uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence as a woman who has uh, suffered from a uh, brain injury um, while serving in uh, the military and is kind of now returning home trying to handle that transition. It co stars many people who I love, including Brian Tyree Henry, Jane Howdashell, and uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson. So, very much looking forward to that personally. And we also have a film called Raymond and Ray uh, directed by Rodrigo Garcia whose film from last year I watched um, Glenn Close and (laughs) his star in um, like very much like a tough Tough movie. Um, I think it was like uh, called the Net Four Days. I think it was called, right? Something like that. I watched that movie. It was very bad, just like aggressively bad. So I'm worried uh, because this movie stars Ethan Hawke and Hughan McGregor as uh, estranged brothers um, reconnecting at a family funeral, and that sounds great. I would love that to be good, but Rodrigo Garcia is a big question mark for me as a creator. So of these two. Justin, once again, are these gripping you at all? Are you excited for either of them?
1: You know, I'm, I'm probably more interested in Causeway just based on the premise. And also just, you know, I feel like I've, after a, a few films where I was like, what is Jennifer Lawrence doing? Like, I feel like Mother was like kind of a bounce back and now I'm like really excited for what she's going to do. And it, this appears to be a much more grounded character than she's really played in a while. Um, and, and I'll be honest, like that was maybe what I fell in love with her about first as an actor. Um, you know, I still think about her performance in winter's bone and this looks like it might be more in that, you know, more in that vein. Um, I am curious how they're going to deal with the fact that she's playing someone with a, with a traumatic brain injury. Um, I think you wade into some potentially dangerous waters there. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the cast undeniable, but all the people that you mentioned for sure, um, that's probably the one I'm, I'm more excited about. And, uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I think I'm the second just on this. Um, because I was someone who started off really high in Jennifer Lawrence, got really cold during her, her David or Russell phase, uh, came back around with mother and was like, okay, this is like, th- this is the sort of like power that she can give us. Um, and I would like to think that this movie is more of her continuing in that direction. But yeah, as Justin said, um, it's it's always hard dealing with mental illness in the film, and I think it's very hard to find examples of films that do it well. So
0: yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see. We will definitely see. Now, actually, I decided before we talk about the Netflix slate, I just wanted to briefly mention a couple of other things that we think are coming out in 2020, based on the fact that they were purchased um, for distribution buy studios out of film festivals this past year but don't actually have a lot of reporting on whether they're actually going to come out or not um and that includes am i okay which is a movie that uh, was co-directed by stephanie aileen and uh tig and her wife Tignotaro. um this movie was purchased by hbo max um and now hbo max is like we don't put out movies anymore so i don't know if what's going to happen there, but that it stars, co-stars Dakota Johnson and uh, Sonoya Mizuno, two people that I really like. Um, uh, t- t- talking about friendship and, and, and uh, love and all sorts of things. I-, I hope that we get to see that at some point. Uh, A24 picked up after son out of can Charlotte Wells um, was the writer director of that um, coast. Uh, uh, basically uh, an ode to her father, um paul uh, mescal is playing her father in the film and young actress named frankie corio is playing a version of her that got a lot of really great uh reviews out of can but it's unclear if that's going to make a release this this fall or if it's going to get pushed to next year then we also have uh joanna hoggs follow-up to the souvenir part two eternal daughter with tilda swinton um among many other people And uh, finally, another A24 film that was picked up out of Sundance, uh, Jesse Eisenberg writing and directing When You Finish Saving the World, Julianne Moore, Finn Wolfhard, um, starring in those ones. Um, I I really hope all four of those movies come out. Um, If I had to pick one that I'm most looking forward to, it would probably be When You Finish Saving the World, even though that is the one that was uh, probably the most controversial received in (laughs) when the reviews came out. But uh, Justin, any thoughts on this set of films?
1: Yeah, I mean, I got to say, so the film that I was going to talk about earlier, then I realized, oh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong section. (laughs) It's actually Eternal Daughter, I think, sounds really interesting. Um, And part of it might be because I recently rewatched The Souvenir, and I think that movie's great. (laughs) Like, I just really responded to it even more than I did the first time. Uh, in anticipation of watching the sequel, which I've also heard is very good. Um, and I just think she's perfect for telling a ghost story, which it seems like this film is. Um, she, you know, Souvenir is not a ghost story, and yet it kind of is. Like, it, it, it is definitely a film about being haunted. And I just want to, I'm like, yes, this is the right person to tell this kind of story. Um, I think she has a really uncompromising approach. I love the way she just lingers in scenes um i think that's just perfect for the kind of like horror atmosphere and uh yeah i'm just i'm just excited based on the fact that she's doing it and that it's a ghost story that's honestly enough for me oh tilda swinton's in it too that's you know that's a big thing
0: <laughs> yeah I. Uh... That leaves only the Netflix slate of things to talk about and there is a lot of things and we don't really have much time so we're just going to kind of – I'm going to read off the list of movies that Netflix is putting out over the next uh, four months and then you guys can just tell me the ones that you think are most interesting. Uh, They include – uh, Wendell and Wild, which is the Henry Selick film that I talked about in our fall preview last year, which then didn't come out, finally coming out in October. Um, all the other ones we don't know when they're coming out, but we know that they're coming out by the end of the year. They include Bardo or False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, which is the uh, Alejandro González senorito. Uh, film a uh, spanish language film uh highly anticipated for oscars white noise noah bomback greta gerwig team up uh co-starring uh adam driver and uh rafi uh rafi cassidy and don Cheadle and many other people uh famous novel adaptation there glass onion uh knives out mystery ryan johnson returning to the glass uh, to the knives out universe with an all-star cast The Pale Blue Eye, which is a Scott Cooper film starring Henry Melling as uh, Edgar Allan Poe, a young Edgar Allan Poe, helping solve a a murder mystery uh, from a detective played by Christian Bale. uh, Very bizarre, in my opinion. Uh, The Wonder, which is a Sebastian Lelio film uh, starring uh, Florence Pugh as a nurse uh, in a uh, old time Ireland uh, setting where she's kind of like, uh, trying to figure out if there really is a miracle going on where this young girl hasn't eaten supposedly in 60 days or if something more nefarious is at play. Uh, we also have Shirley, which is the John Ridley written and directed, Regina King starring Shirley Chisholm biopic. Uh, very excited for that. Uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover. Yes, we are getting another adaptation of that. Um, that is uh, starring uh, Jolie Richardson and the aforementioned Jack O'Connell, which we mentioned earlier today. There is a German language, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, starring Daniel Bruhl coming out. Uh, there is also The Swimmers, which is a Sally L. Hosseini uh, film starring Mashias Schoenberg, um, among other people. Uh, there's also uh, You People, which is... Uh, directed by kenya barris uh written and directed or written rather by kenya barris and jonah hill uh, with an all-star cast including eddie murphy uh jonah hill and julia There there is a uh, they cloned tyrone uh which is directed by jewel taylor uh starring jamie Foxx, john Baega, and uh, tayona paris and finally the good nurse uh directed by toby tobias lindholm uh, and starring Jessica Chastain as a nurse who has killed hundreds of people um it is based on a true story i believe also co-stars Eddie Redman uh Eddie Redmayne rather so justin any of these catch your eye any ones that you want to talk about briefly before we close out the show
1: yeah i mean i think uh, sorry I, I might have missed it but you did mention pinocchio right
0: Oh, I actually didn't mention Pinocchio. Okay. Yeah, this is, we we are getting two Pinocchios. Saving the best dreaming. for last. Disney's Pinocchio on Disney Plus Day in September. And then Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is kind of a, re, a, a stop motion animation retelling of the Pinocchio story set, um, I believe, during fascist Italy, like World War Two era. Uh, that's coming out in December. Uh, so, yeah, two all-star casts of Pinocchio movies. Um but yeah, so that's, that's everything. <laughs> yeah, that's, I th- I
1: would say for me, that's, that's probably the one. There's a couple other ones that I think are exciting, but like, that's the one that, that really just, I, I saw the trailer for that and just the craftsmanship. I mean, it just looks fantastic. I could just, I like, that's what I want. I want to see more different styles of animation and I can't imagine how long it probably took to put all that together. Um, you know, I just, I like the cast. Um. Even just like to me, it's like a really inspired choice to have David Bradley as the voice of Geppetto. Not someone I would have thought they would get. For those who don't know, David Bradley is probably best known as Argus Filch in Harry Potter and uh, Walder Frey in the Game of Thrones show. And I just I don't know. I just I think that's a really inspired choice because he's not someone who gets to play kindly old men, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that might maybe that's a clue that it's this is going to be a little bit of a darker version. I've heard that it's more in line with the original Italian novel um, as opposed to the Disney version. Even Pinocchio himself looks like he's barely removed from being a tree. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So there's a lot interesting happening here. Um, and something and, that I've heard about this yeah. take on Pinocchio is that whereas the original tale is truly about horrifying children into following the rules, that this movie mm. and its fascist backdrop is about subverting that initial message and kind of making people question whether authoritarianism is, is the way to go, as if you would, which certainly has resonance in today's society. Yeah, for sure. Any Any other ones that you wanted to mention?
1: Oh, just uh, so really quick, um, I would also, I have to say I'm kind of curious about The Good Nurse. <laughs> I know we talked a little bit about that. Um, this is also written by Christy Wilson Cairns, who has been writing like been pretty busy lately and is also directed by Tobias Lindholm, who I'm somewhat familiar with. He did a series of, I would say, political kind of thrillers that were kind of ex- about exploring the aftermath of different um situations in wartime. Um, That one really stood out to me. And also, I just love the fact that we're getting a German language version of All Quiet on the Western Front. And I say this as a big fan of the Hollywood version from 1930, believe it or not. Um, You know, I, I think this is something that this is the kind of story that deserves to be retold. Um, It's a high bar to live up to, I think, in terms of a film adaptation. But it's got Daniel Bruhl in it. And um, that's that sounds pretty awesome to me.
2: That's no that that that's got again that's another film that's got all the pieces to be great. Yeah, yeah. what
0: are some other ones that you're looking forward to, Noah, other than um, the one that Justin mentioned? I am all for the fact that we are getting a Knives
2: Out greater universe. I love Knives Out. It came out of nowhere and just stole the show for me as one of my top films of that year. Uh, and it seems like the side the the sort of thing where Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig and the others are having enough fun with it where. Uh, I think this is a good version of just running with something as a franchise as long as you can. I think they, I think they'll, they can be trusted to have fun with it and not take themselves so seriously that they, you know, kind of wreck it at some point. You know, White Noise, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig are just remain a dream team for me. So anything they do, I'm like, I give it a watch. And then of course Bardo from uh, Alejandro Inarritu, you can never count that guy out to to pull out something really, really great. Uh, so there's there's a lot of big names uh, that are still like kind of on the board here. But I got a second, Justin. Guys like Guillermo del Toro is just the best. And he just he loves making good movies. And this looks great. The stories that I've been hearing about the production and like the work that went into it sound amazing. And yeah, this sounds like the sort of thing that could be a game changer for new forms of stop stop motion animation. And I'm really, really hoping that it's as good as it very much looks like it's going to be.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the the Knives Out sequel as well. I, just as a reminder, it's going to be starring Daniel Craig, Jessica Henwick, Ethan Hawke, Catherine Hahn, Edward Norton, Dave Batista, Kate Hudson, Leslie Odom Jr., Janelle Monae, and a young Madeline Klein, and they're all going to be kind of like on a boat and a murder happens, so I'm all in on that. That sounds really, really fun and exciting. I just, like, I can't believe that that... Um, edgar Allan poe thing is real and happening and directed by scott cooper of all people i can't say i'm looking forward to it it's just like what is happening with that um and i also i'm i am really looking forward to the shirley chisholm uh document or biopic rather by john ridley uh she was my kind of favorite episode of the mrs america anthology series uh, when Ubo Odusa played her, and I'm really excited about John Ridley getting a chance to tell another biopic because his film on Jimi Hendrix, called Jimmy Always by My Side, was a surprise favorite of mine the year it came out almost a decade ago, and I feel like he hasn't got like he hasn't done a ton. He's been really working in a lot of TV, and I've liked a lot of his TV, but I'm excited to see him here get to do that. And I also just you people. Uh, That could be uh, definitely a disaster. Uh, It's uh, the the premise of that is it follows a new couple in their family who find themselves examining modern love and family dynamics amidst clashing cultures, societal expectations and generational differences. So it could really be um, a, a total lightning rod, terrible thing for Netflix. Um, but it is, it does have a cast, including Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill, Louis, Julie Rudrey, David Duchovny, Molly Gordon, Rhea Perlman, and Andrea Savage. And I genuinely love and adore all of those people. Maybe not David Duchovny, but he can be used well, at least. So I, I, I am, I am anticipating that. And we will see if that becomes like this falls kind of uh, lightning rod Netflix movie, or if it is uh, something worth actually watching. So we'll have to see. But guys, we did it. That was a huge, huge episode. It's our longest preview episode ever uh pardon the uh the length but there is just surprisingly a lot of really good stuff to talk about here when i started this project i was like i don't know i feel like this might be a light year when it comes to movies and releases but i feel like we've been i was proven wrong because we've been talking about so many interesting things uh for the last uh three hours almost so uh without further ado uh noah where can we find more of your stuff on the internet
2: well, in addition to my stuff here, as Alex mentioned, you guys should check out our uh, Podwork Angels podcast that Justin and I are doing on the discography of the progressive rock band Rush. And you all should also check out, check out my written stuff on my blog at francenoir.blogspot.com.
0: How about you, Justin?
1: Uh, You can find me at thecinemaverick.com. That's my website. I'm also on Letterboxd at the Cinemaverick. And I just want to also say to to, uh, Noah's point about the Rush podcast, you can find that on thepopbreak.com. We are part of the breakcast feed of podcasts there.
0: Yes, and p- speaking of Pop Break, I am the podcast editor of PopBreak.com, so you can go to ThePopBreak.com, click on Podcasts, see the podcasts that Justin and Noah are talking about, and many others, including my TV podcast, TV Break, uh, which in- this month we are talking about, we're doing our big Emmy preview, we're talking about the best program of the year, according to us, uh, and also House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones uh, spinoff, so well, that is going to be a fun episode, and we are also uh, my other podcast, Bill versus the MCU, where we review three uh, or four of the MCU films uh, at a time. Uh, We have two episodes out in September. One is our D23 Reaction Podcast, and the other is a special on all of the 2021 films that were released through Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that includes uh, Black Widow, uh, Shang-Chi, the Eternals, or just Eternals, I should say, and Spider Man No Way Home. So definitely check out all of that content from me uh, this September. And um, yeah, until next time, as I always say with these episodes, I hope at least a fourth of these movies are actually good. Um, but it's fun to be excited about things, so enjoy the fall.